Hey everybody, just an editor's note. We're going to be interlacing a lot of our guests' top tens throughout the episode. You're going to hear this tone to indicate that it's starting, and then you'll hear this tone to indicate that it's done. Thanks for listening as always, and enjoy the show. This week on Out Now with Ernie, we are talking our top tens of 2021. It's the top 10 show, the most important top 10 show. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Movies here that came out last year. It's the top 10 show. recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe hello hi how are you out now is a film podcast where abe and i discuss new movies weekly however it is that time where we go over <laughs> our favorite films of 2021 That's it's right. that time it's that time three weeks into the new year right. we're talking about the <laughs> films of last year uh but no we wanted to when a sure. lot of outlets had it published in december of 2021 we're doing it now hey, you know what i waited till december 31st to publish my top there 10 because i wanted to get the whole year in you're a true fan if i needed to cram in resident <laughs> evil at the last second just to make sure i i didn't do that because i wasn't going to do that anyway but still mm-hmm. i made sure to have all everything all my ducks in a row when i did mine but regardless we are talking about our top 10 films. We've given just enough time for, for Abe, of course, to, and you know, everybody really to get in all the films they can before we do this <laughs> show. And now we've come here to do this. So that's the plan here. Uh, and joining us, Abe and I, to discuss the top 10 films of 2021, we have from Movies Marcus. He went Belfast and Furious during his last duel with a malignant Spencer in the Heights with the Writers of Justice. It's Mark and Robinson. Hey, good intro. Also joining us from Fast Film Reviews. Last night in Soho, he watched a pig make no sudden move while re- reciting the tragedy of Macbeth to a hero with the power of the dog. It's Mark Hoban. <laughs> Hi, everyone. How I want to hear that recitation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you two doing this evening? <laughs> I'm doing great. Good to be on the show. I, I always like this show a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Marcus is here. Oh, I'm I'm lukewarm. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I'm lukewarm on the show. This is a, one of the you know I kind of sleep on. I'm this lukewarm show. on the show. <laughs> Mark is all about the summer app, the, the the summer gamble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my that's no, where but, I shine. <laughs> I'm glad to have you guys here. Uh, and you guys are not alone uh, to some degree because we have many, many frequent guests of the show have also all submitted their top tens. So throughout this episode, you'll be hearing from various other guests with what they thought of their best films of the year. So We might cut to one right now. Hey there, Out Now with Aaron and Abe. This is Maxwell Haddad with my top 10 films of 2021. At number 10, we got Wes Anderson, The French Dispatch. Number 9, we got Coda. Number 8, we have Encanto. Number 7, we have Spider-Man No Way Home. Number 6, we have Dune. Number 5 is Pig. Number 4, we have Steven Spielberg's readaptation of West Side Story. Number 3, we have The Power of the Dog. Number 2, we have In the Heights and continuing the trend of Lin-Manuel Manuel Miranda in cinema in 2021. My favorite film of the year is Tick, Tick, Boom. Thanks, guys. I paused in case you did do this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we have plenty, plenty of top tens to go through, uh, and we're going to get to ours 
in a second here. Uh, but first up, a few show notes. Um, new commentary track, Scream. Uh, we talked about the original 1996 Scream just in time for the new Scream. Because, as you know, I scream, you scream, we all scream for new commentaries. Mm. And so we have that. That was, that was a good tagline. <laughs> that was something. Uh, so that's up now. That's on iTunes where you can find all of our shows. Speaking of which, you can go on iTunes and give us a rating and review, which will be wonderful. Thank you so much in advance. And yeah, that's uh, that's it for show notes. So what we're going to do now is we're going to get into our, our favorite films of the year. And how we're going to do that is similar to how we normally, it's exactly how we normally do it. Uh, first up, we're going to read through our, the back half of our list, our 10 through six, each of us here. And we'll talk about that for a little bit. Then we'll get to the top five after that. So uh, let, let's, let's do it. Um, Marcus Robinson, yes. what is your, what is your 10 through six on your top 10 film list? 10 through six. Okay. All right. So at number 10, I have don't look up. Number nine, I have Coda, eight, Spencer, seven, Dune, uh, and six, I have Anna from Netflix. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have Titan at six. Ooh, titan. I, think I'm pronouncing, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes. Mark Hoban, what are your 10 through six? So at number 10, The Mitchells versus The Machines. Number nine, The Green Knight. Number eight, Summer of Soul. Number seven, The Power of the Dog. Number six, King Richard. All right. Abe? Dig it. Uh, and number 10, I, I, I'm with Mark, uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Number nine, West Side Story. Number eight, The Last Duel. Number seven, The French Dispatch. And number six, Spencer. All right. Ooh. Uh, my 10 through 6 are as follows. Number 10, <clears throat> The Power of the Dog. Number 9, Last Night in Soho. Number 8, In the Heights. Number 7, Licorice Pizza. And number 6, A Hero. Ooh. All right, so we've done it. We've gone through the first <laughs> the first half of this list. Already, I'm noticing. Not, not a whole lot of uh, overlap except for like... A with few movies, Spencer. which is great. Well, there's a couple. There's a couple. There's a few overlaps. Let's talk about Spencer right now. I hear Spencer coming up on both of your guys' lists. Mark or Marcus? Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I think I was on the Spencer um, podcast, but um, I will say exactly what I said uh, last time. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I, I was I think, on that uh, podcast too. Actually, yes, yeah, you were. Yes, yeah. and the, it was the Belfast one. Right? Yes, I, 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 <laughs> I love the the the, the score. The direction uh, and uh, uh, Kristen Stewart's um, uh, lead performance as Diana. I think it's uh, Pablo is it, it, the director is very visionary here, um, but he's telling a tale that's very it's it's different than any Diana story that I've seen, and it really made an impact on me. So yeah, I I I, I had to put it on the list. Yeah, you, I, I wouldn't have guessed Spencer to be on your list. I'm curious. I want to hear more of your thoughts on. <laughs> well, very much, very much in line with what Marcus was saying. Uh, you know, Pablo is a director that I enjoyed. I watched Jackie, and I was really blown away by it. It was very, both of them are very haunting. And I think the thing that really keeps me going back to it and thinking about it uh, time and time and again, yes, the performance is good, but just the way that the story is just so dark and depressing and i don't mean that to be negative in any way at all it's just really that oh wow there's a lot of claustrophobia here and i really feel it and i think like i've heard some people sort of uh some some folks mocking like the 
the hallway scene. And I was like, this is like one of the most amazing scenes I've seen in cinema all year. So I was really um, taken by Spencer and I really enjoyed it for the emotions that it made me feel. I'm, I'm certainly a fan of, I'm a fan of the film. Mm-hmm. I, the thing I keep coming back to whenever I think about Spencer, but is the the choice to make it this like repulsion esque psychological horror film <laughs> that happens to be a biopic about Princess mm-hmm. Diana. <laughs> like that's just that's that's such a a, a key choice in mood uh, and and what it wants to go after. That just I, I I wouldn't have expected nothing less from the director of Jackie, but certainly you know it helps in uh, making the film stand out in its in its own particular way even if not all of us were a fan of the movie right yeah mark <laughs> i'm not saying anything yeah yeah, yeah but, uh, this but is a positive you, podcast but how about you how about you how, but how about you talk about a movie you did like you, you and a both shared the middles versus the machines on the back half of your list here yes yeah so um i thought uh 2021 was a really good year for animation and uh i i i'm you know, spoiler alert, I only have one animated film in my top 10, but I, I struggled as to which one I would put there because I, I really liked uh, Encanto and um, uh, what was the other one? That Luca? I and Luca, you're right. But the thing that I pushed Mitchell versus the Machines over, I think, was the script. I just thought mm-hmm. it was really funny and, and hip and clever in a way uh, that I really enjoyed. I, I think, you know, the, the very best animated films can be enjoyable for kids, but they also can be knowing for adults as well. And that's Mitchell versus the Machines to a T. I mean, it has just has so many clever little um, gimmicks and it's it's riff on uh, technology. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's essentially about a dysfunctional family and how they sort of embrace each other's differences, but it's the way that they uh, take those sort of predictable elements and manipulate them into a really, a, you know, really enjoyable film. And, uh, and also the animation is quite interesting. It, it sort of mimics 2D art uh, with textures and it's, it's, it's a little unconventional. So mm-hmm. I also appreciated what, you know, was bringing this sort of somewhat uh, uncharacteristic animation style as well. So all of those things uh, made it, you know, uh, made, made it uh, enter my top 10. Totally. I, I not a lot to deviate from. I think the script was really well done. Very clever. Like what Mark said, Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller. I mean, I think they produced it, but everything that they've been doing so far, have been been really hitting me like in the right tones. And then I think the other thing just to add on is that each character is pretty fleshed out. I mean, I know a lot about the the son. I know a lot about the daughter. I know a lot about the mother and a little about the father. Um, so really well done on, on all story, uh, on all sides and all story fronts. Um, and the last per minute, I'd say, is one of the higher in, in from 2021. I would agree. Um, and there's <clears throat> it's the film that keeps on giving as far as when you watch it. There's so many layers of jokes going on that it's easy to miss a lot of stuff and come back and be like, oh, yeah, there's look, look at this visual gag that I did not at all see because I was laughing towards something else the first time. <laughs> right. there's, there's a lot of that going around. The funny joke is when the Mitchells visit uh, sort of the the cutting edge headquarters of this um, uh, thing, the, the father notices the visual grandeur of the place. And he says, oh, that looks like a, a Journey album cover. And that was funny. And then the son goes, what's an album? So <laughs> it's just like, just jokes upon jokes. Right. All right, I'm here with Forbes' Scott Mendelson. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. For sure. Why don't you read down your list of top 10 films? No. <laughs> Okay, fine, whatever. 
Okay, in order of in ascending order of preference, uh, Street Gang, which is a documentary about the early days of Sesame Street, Riders of Justice, Chang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, The Harder They Fall, Shiva Baby, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, King Richard, Malignant, The Last Duel. And the Mitchells versus the Machines. All right, thank you, Scott. I am. A, I'm. I'm trying to talk about films that I know won't be on the other half of these lists because I'm oh, pretty God. sure that a lot of these will be. <laughs> so I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> so just to to narrow it down a bit, like I I have I, In the Heights on here. I, right. I I feel like it might come up again, so I'm not going to talk too much about In the Heights. But well, I will say I would but, love to hear your thoughts on a hero as well. I'll get I'll get the arrow yeah. for sure. Uh, I, I'll just because I won't because I don't know how much I'll have to say about in the heights if it comes up mm-hmm. later on. But I'll just say that I, it, I, I there's a lot of musicals that we had this year, and we'll talk more about that later as well. Uh, but there, the kind of the the joy I got from in the heights, as well as the kind of emotional state that it puts me in when I revisit it, I think is just very worthwhile. And I, narrowing it down to just jimmy smith's coming into the room and saying good morning is just that's stuck with me a lot <laughs> and then you have the rest of the film which i also really enjoy for a variety of reasons so it's sure. it's one that certainly didn't want to like leave out in the scheme of things just because I, <clears throat> I i i uh you know we'll talk more about some other sure. things i can clear on but like i i really respect what john m chu and lenore miranda and and the uh, the original the the writer of the book uh what they all you know put together to make this cinematic adaptation um as far as a hero goes uh <laughs> oscar Farhadi uh, is the best at making contemporary dramas right now i think i don't like have another right, for the last like half that. decade yeah <clears throat> yeah i mean so it's it was no surprise that i was just very intrigued by this movie and like completely engrossed in the story that was unfolding which is a combination of like everyday circumstances and a massive amount of stress being laid onto some central characters um it's it's flashy without being flashy mm-hmm. it's incredibly well written i really hope it gets a screenplay nomination just for one thing because it's just a really damn good screenplay but also it's great to get international representation when it comes to screenplays um, so there's so much here and I the we'll talk, we have some other categories later on to talk about where I can easily talk more about this movie, but it's mm-hmm. it's such a compelling watch uh, based off of just people existing. Like there's there's no high concept here. It's just <laughs> what if this guy had a problem and he had to deal with it, and then <laughs> but somehow Oscar Verhadi once again, like you know, sixth time out makes it like one of the best stories you'll hear all year. <laughs> so yeah. it's. It's uh, it's pretty incredible uh, that he once again pulls that off. I look forward to trying to catch it in theaters. The trailer was very compelling. For sure. Well, it's on, it's on Prime right now. What? <laughs> so okay. You can easily watch it. I've gotta, but I've got to support my local theaters. If it's in a theater, go see it in and a theater. And it's safe. Safely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is Mike Dillon from Cal State Fullerton. My favorite films of 2021 include the following honorable mentions. Uh, the documentaries Introducing Selma Blair, Flea, and Sabaya. Feature films In the Heights, Phil Tippett's Mad God, The Matrix Resurrections, No Sudden Move. These are all American films. Limbo from the UK, Drive My Car from Japan, 
and Vortex from France. My top 10 films of 2021 are number 10, There Is No Evil from Iran. Number 9, Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn from Romania. Number 8, Roaring Twenties from France. Number 7, Coda from the US. Number 6, Pleasure from Sweden. Number 5, Little Fish from the US. Number 4, Mass from the US. Number 3, A Hero from Iran. Number 2, Psycho Gorman from Canada. And number 1, Last Film Show from India. Have a great 2022, everybody. Marcus, I want to hear some 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 thoughts oh, on God. Don't Look Up. I haven't heard you talk about that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um okay, yeah. So Don't Look Up is very much my type of uh my type of movie and and even though it's kind of like uh made by kind of <clears throat> an elite group or whatever, but it really affer- like it really touches my kind of like anti-capitalist heart, you know whole doodle side so i really loved this i really loved the 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 aspect of oh there's a comet coming to earth and uh uh nobody believes them and and there's a whole bunch of parody that's going on right now that's been going on for the last two years and i just really loved that concept i think that they i've heard i've heard people complain that it was a little too long or if it was a little too kind of like okay look at us making some kind of point that you know it's all going to end or whatever. But I think to me, when I'm watching this, I'm watching Adam McKay, the writer director hit every single point. Like sometimes when I'm watching Adam McKay do stuff, it's kind of like watching uh, your college professor do stand up. I'm kind of like, okay, it's fine. (laughs) Uh, Some of this stuff goes over my head a little bit, you know, but in this one, I feel like he was just on all cylinders. Uh, it, the The cast is 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 great. Um, I feel like there was there was a, a, a couple standouts with Jonah and and um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and and, and Leo. Um, but I, I think this is Adam. This was probably my favorite Adam McKay movie. I I was really 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 into this movie nice. more than talladega nights the legend of ricky bobby yeah just a little bit you know i i <laughs> more than stepbrothers of course more than stepbrothers yes i hate stepbrothers. you're not a stepbrothers guy i'm not a stepbrothers i'm guy. not big on stepbrothers i think it's fine <laughs> Did some no good, good jokes fucking catalina I, wine mixer anyway. <laughs> I, I i had heard a lot of stuff about the movie that it was you know it, it was kind of saying stuff that we already knew but i i, I really and and i hate when kind of things like this happen where uh, 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 somebody will go, oh, at least we're getting kind of representation kind of stuff, but kind of at least like green, you know, global warming is getting representation, I guess. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Mark, it, it, Marcus, it did not make my top 10, but it certainly is mm-hmm. a movie that I, I enjoyed quite a bit. And we both did. I was, right? Yeah. I was texting my buddy and I was just saying like, if not this, me, not Aaron. <laughs> Like, this is literally what would happen if an Aaron. Asteroid... He has other buddies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's out now with their name and friends. Uh, but I was texting my buddy and saying like, if an asteroid or a comet was actually going to hit Earth, this is exactly what would happen. So, um, and Aaron and I we talked about it on our podcast. I really enjoyed that ending. It's very sweet. 
Yeah, Mark, all I'm saying is Abe, even though we have an hour-long discussion about the film, he should also be texting me about movies. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes when we live text each other, it's very fun. You know who I really liked in um, Don't Look Up uh, Mm -hmm. that you haven't mentioned was uh, Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry as that talk show host. I mean, I've what I always feel like the best comedy is when it's it's doing it sincerely and then it becomes funny. And I think they actually were doing a pretty sincere I mean, I know right. it's a little over the top, but it, it, it's no, pretty it close to what those, <laughs> yeah. those, those yeah. morning shows, they really are that chipper. and Pretty right. spot I, on. Yeah. yeah, I thought especially Kate Blanchett, but, but but Tyler Perry too. I mean, they both had the right tone. I, no, I, 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 I would agree. watch them. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I Particularly in those segments. I was I was less, in, I, I cared less about the Blanchett, DiCaprio stuff, but the, the morning mm-hmm. show stuff I thought was really solid. I, mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought yeah. that was really good. And I mean, Mark, as I hear what you're saying, as far as what people are saying about what the movie's doing right. and whatnot, it's like at the end of the day, I've seen it a couple of times now. It's just funny. Like it makes me it's laugh. funny. It's, it's right. it certainly has its depressing aspects and it has its poignant aspect, like Abe just mentioned with right. the ending, which I think is it's it's a very good ending to this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but I do think the movie, despite being Yes, I do think it's quite long when it doesn't necessarily need to be, but as a Netflix film, fine. That's how it is. <laughs> sure. I laugh plenty during it. I appreciate mm-hmm. so much about it. I like what McKay's doing here. I think he did find a good balance between what I think worked excellently in the big short as well as what works in his broader comedies. Like right. he mm-hmm. found a good sweet spot there compared to Vice, which I wasn't a big fan of. So right. yes, give me, you know, I, I'm happy don't look up exists and that, you know, outside of seemingly just film Twitter, people seem to love the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Here we go. Uh, Abe, let's talk about The Last Duel a little bit. You and I have talked about it plenty. But- We've talked about it plenty, and I don't know if it's going to come up later for other folks, maybe not, but I enjoyed The Last Duel for, it was a movie that I wasn't sure what it was going to be about, and then I go in, and I'm like, wow, I'm really enthralled in this, like, three-act, same story, like, my my way, her way, their way kind of thing, and by the end of it, I was like, that was a two hour and 15 minute movie. Like it breathes. The editing is fantastic in this movie, but there's a lot of really good performances as well. And I think it's a movie that um, I, I don't want to say like, it's going to be like a movie that people would regret seeing in theaters, but I think it's one that actually is really compelling and just has terrific performances. So when you're watching it, you're just really watching it for all the, the little nicks and details in each vignette or not vignette, but each uh, person's, side of the story so it's yeah. really really well done i i completely agree with you and this was it's in my like top 30 i, mm-hmm. I really like the last duel and i like what really scott did with this uh more yeah. so than house of gucci which i didn't dislike but you know i like i think the last sure. duel is the one that's it's gonna stand there's some charm in house of gucci but... there's plenty of jar in house of gucci it's just like this <laughs> last duel and you know no surprise medieval movies in general don't do well at the box office regardless sure. of what pandemic's happening or not so it's not a surprise that this two and a half hour rate movie set in medieval times didn't do well right but right. i mean <laughs> it is what it is but i am happy to see that it's come to hbo max now and there's lots of people that are just really liking the movie they're appreciating what was I'm glad. I, I do think it's one that for ridley scott um i think he's doing some really strong work here he's, he's yeah. doing you know 84 years old and he's still making like a movie that's not only like incredibly well assembled because he's good at that kind of thing but entirely relevant to now <laughs> like it's very much so it, yes it, yeah. it might be a true story based on you know a, a 
13th 14th century tale but it still has ties exactly to the moment that we're living in and that's that's not something that easily goes over anybody's head if they're paying attention well we're not going to talk about best director performances his his fu uh tour publicity tour for gucci (laughs) and for last duel has been phenomenal just dropping f-bombs left and right don't you know who i am i'm ridley scott these are just great not being shy about which which kinds of movies he's criticizing <laughs> and doubling down on it because why it was why should he care? Right. Second second runner up showing for PTA for saying he liked Venom. Uh, let the be- <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, Jim Deeds here from the Nothing's On podcast at the Taylor Network of Podcast.com and the Walking Dead TV podcast I do with Aaron over at HHWLOD.com. Uh, Aaron uh, has graciously had me on as a guest on Out Now several times for commentary tracks and for review shows, and I, he asked me graciously once again to give my top 10 movies for 2021, and I, of course, cannot refuse such a grand request from an erudite young man such as Aaron. Um, these aren't in any particular order. They're just the top, my top favorite movies from the last year. Uh, we're going to start with Val, the documentary about Val Kilmer. Uh, Dune, if you know me for that, you know what a huge fan I am of Dune. The Green Knight, um, I, after one trailer, uh, David Lowry uh, reeled me in, and then this movie just kind of blew me away. Uh, Psycho Gorman, uh, a little under-the-radar movie. It's on Shudder as an exclusive right now. Uh, Pig with Nicolas Cage. I have an experience. I have a lot of experience in the culinary industry, so this had a special, special affinity for me. Uh, Summer of Soul, which was an incredible documentary. Uh, no Sudden Move. Uh, I had This was not on my radar at all for some reason, and then all of a sudden I saw there was a new Steven Soderbergh movie on HBO. Uh, Mitchell's Versus the Machines. I have kids, so uh, I, uh, the kids' movies vary in quality, uh, to say the least. And Mitchell's Versus the Machines, I would put it right at the top. It was just very well done. Uh, Spider-Man, No Way Home. I really don't probably, I probably don't have to say anything else about that. And I uh, finally got to see uh, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. I'm so lucky I got to I got to see it. And I'm putting that on the list as well because I am a sucker for noir. I'm a sucker for del Toro. Kate Blanchett is incredible in this. Uh, uh, Bradley Cooper. It's just it really, because I really enjoyed it a lot. So that's my top 10 for 2021. Thanks a lot to Aaron and Abe. And another year of continued success with the podcast. Let's see. What else? Uh, uh, Marcus. Or not Marcus. Yeah. Mark. Yeah, no, Mark. Yeah, you and I had Power of the Dog um, in our back half here. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what do you got to say about Power of the Dog? Yeah, so um, this was a really beautifully acted film. It's kind of a, a depiction of sadness. So I think mm-hmm. the saga can be kind of difficult to embrace. And I think it does take a while to get started. But as it goes on, I think there's really a lot to appreciate. Um, the performances uh, that you get between these different characters really gives you a fully fleshed out version of each one of these people. And um, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, in particular, one of the best performances of the year of this uh, sort of conflicted man that has a lot of uh, sort of skeletons that he's trying to like deal with. And he's, he's, all, he's, a, he's a nasty person, but then he's also somebody you sort of feel sorry for. And, and then it's got this ending, which just kind of like floored me. And I, you know, you have to kind of think about like what has happened and there are clues and things that will kind of lead you to this thing. I think it really has a phenomenal ending. And that's one of the things I loved about it is that once the movie uh, finishes, you really feel like, wow, that was a really 
well-told story. And, you know, Kirsten Dunst and Cody Smith-McPhee, um, they've all gotten, you know, a lot of acclaim for the performances and, and well-deserved. Uh, and then also, I mean, it's, it's beautifully filmed. It's got these sort of expansive mm-hmm. vistas that sort of recall directors like John Ford and George Stevens. And, and then there's this sort of this score that also complements it by Johnny Greenwood. It really is, I mean, on all cylinders, it, it, it delivered. It, it, again, it is one of these movies that I think you have to sort of like stick with because in the first, I don't know, maybe even 45 minutes, I wasn't sure. But then by the end, I was, I was a fan. It's, it's funny. I was so, I was tired when I watched this movie the first time. I saw it in a theater and I just, I, I was struggling a bit. Like I was really appreciating what was happening just based off everything you've just listed, Mark, especially from the technical standpoints, because I think there's so much things, so many things going on as far as Gene Campion's direction, the score by John Greenwood, et cetera. But like, I, I felt like I walked out of it thinking, well, that really picked up towards the end, but I don't know if I appreciated it in the way that I've been hearing like the festival hype for the past about a few months. It hit Netflix and I watched it again just because I really wanted to give it a chance. Uh, and it like I it's not like I totally turned around, but it, like I found what I was looking for, mm-hmm. and it just mm-hmm. like suddenly raised in my estimation as far as you how saw good the this movie the, is. the dog in the mountains of the shadow. I okay. exactly yeah. I saw it okay. right away. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't see it the first. Yeah, I didn't see well, it. So. I found I found I found <laughs> you saw just, that I, I found it to be just entirely compelling. And it, it's a weird comparison to make, but what I like, Mark, you just kind of pointed it out as far as how it's structured. It's similar to something like one of my favorite movies, Jackie Brown where the first half is all character. There's no real plot. It's just establishing each of the players, what their dynamic is, what's going on. All and right. then the second half of the movie is, okay, here's the, here's the plot. Now there's like a lot, there's a, lot a, a different kind of momentum. There's a, uh, a way this is going. And I found that to be the case in this movie, where I just kind of attached myself more to the characters when I watched it that second time. And getting into like where it was going is like, it's a movie that rewards, I think, watching it again because you pick up so many details about what was happening in the early on that it's not necessarily payoffs, but you certainly like you can see the wheels turning more in certain characters when you watch it, you know, that second time and see like, okay, mm-hmm. this is where things are percolating, um, and, and then here's what the results are. So I just I I did find it to be a just a pretty fantastic movie. It was a hard one to be like, where do I put this? Like, top, like sure. I really like this movie yeah, along with these other, you know, 30 movies I'm trying to rank. And it's like, <laughs> no, this you one know, just, it stuck with me a lot. Right. And there, there are scenes like, uh, you know, a really great film is always about sort of little vignettes that stick out. And that scene in the restaurant, when the, the men come in and they, they sit down and they and the Kirsten Dunst is serving them. She works there mm-hmm. and they have these flowers on the tables that are little paper flowers that her son has made. And he takes one of them and uses it to light his cigarette. And it's just, it's just this little act. I mean, it's not a huge act of destruction, but it was just so unnerving. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it just it annoyed it got to me like just there was something about that that just sort of like that simple act was just and it told you so much about his character and you know I don't know it was just that's that stuck out I still remember that scene and it's just I, a simple scene I agree with you and I think it's one of the best movies of the year to have a lot of character details figured out through actions without speaking. Uh, and that's not always an easy thing to do, but I think you get so much of who these people are based off of looks they share or just physical motivations that you, you see take place throughout the film. Right. Uh, good news. 
Yes. A, a, a Pony Express just arrived and gave me Bronco Henry's top 10 films of 2020. Wow. Bronco okay. Henry oh, himself? Wow. I, he was at the movies a lot lately. the 1930s? Or at, least has, or at least he has a lot of streaming services. Uh-huh. I mean, here we go. Here, here, here's, his, here's his top 10. I, I'm not making this up. Bronco wow. Henry. Uh, number 10, The Green Knight. Uh, number nine, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number seven, or number eight, uh, Snake Eyes. Number seven, Don't Look Up. Number six, Ryan the Last Dragon. Number five, Dune. Number four, The French Dispatch. Number three, Drive My Car. Number two, Old Henry. And number one, Luca. Wow. Bronco Luca. Henry. <laughs> he has a lot of taste. From the grave. <laughs> I didn't think I'd taste. get that in time. I was, I was yeah. surprised. I was surprised he dropped that off. For the Pony Express today. Did you just make that up right now? What are you talking about? I told you. Pony Express just came by, as they do. It <laughs> gave me Bronco Henry's top 10 bills of the year. Wait a All minute. Right. I didn't hear you open that envelope. I put my mic on mute. It yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sense, yeah. The horse is loud. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's Jimmy O. And I, you know what? The guys asked me to give my top 10 of the year. You know, that 2021, that, that year, that thing that happened. I'm going to do that. Number 10, Coda. Number nine, Fear Street Trilogy. Number eight, A Quiet Place 2. Number seven, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I love saying that. Number six, Spider-Man No Way Home. Five, Mass. Four, The Suicide Squad. Three, Dune. Two, Belfast. And my number one pick of the year is the unabashedly romantic and the beautiful Cyrano. I absolutely adore this movie so much. So hopefully you'll catch it in February. And let's hope we have a pretty decent 2022. I mean, come on. It's got to be better than last year, right? We, we'll move on, but uh, I don't know if we're going to get to the French Dispatch later, but I do want to say that it's very whimsical and it's... Uh... Okay. Not, not, not interesting. It's not like it's not my You could have said that without even having seen it. <laughs> yeah, the Wes Anderson movie is whimsical. Great point, Mark. It's gonna make the back in like we, we giant bold letters. More depth. You yeah. need to go whimsical. Abe, comma, out now with Aaron and Abe. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a light watch. There's actually some really good uh, poignant stuff in it from time to time as well as some terrific performances, especially Jeffrey Wright. It, it's the kind of thing where I don't know why I need a qualifier saying it's not the best Wes Anderson movie. Right. I right. know. Right. Because it's like, yeah, but it's still among the great Wes Anderson movies that he's right. made. Like. And one of the best films from last year. So, I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> I, my list. It, it's in, it's in my, uh, my top 30. Uh, I think it's in my top 20, actually. We'll get to runner-ups when I look yeah, at that list yeah. again. Uh, but no, I, I, the things you just said, of course, obviously the whimsical thing the most. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out that part that Mark was like, okay. <laughs> Listen at the end. No, you're going to leave it in and double it. Um, exactly. it's gonna... <laughs> but no, I, I, it's one that I, again, I because of the way he makes his movies, it's mm-hmm. so stacked with like, you know, uh, production design detail and little right. bits and pieces here and there where it's going to reward just revisiting it over time as well, just to like feel more of like what this world is that he created for his latest film. Mm-hmm. Um, the, with, the, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't create this uh, comparison, but somebody I read somewhere 
where they just they compared it to a Russian nesting doll because it's oh, like interesting. You, you start with this outside you know story and then it goes into another story and then that story tells the story of another one which is you know so it kind of goes inward and it's it's really you know fastidiously put together like all of his stuff for sure well done and and i, I like i we, i know we, we can highlight some performances but i really hope jeffrey wright gets like the credit he deserves for how good he is in this yeah, movie he's, he's among everybody else but he's like a standout in the movie yeah actually in our online film critics society uh aaron you know yep. this that uh, he was cited so he he's actually in best supporting actor as, nice. as one of the nominees yeah, I have to I have to vote in three different online or four different online award things, and I put him in each time for supporting at least as one of the nominees. Like yeah. it's certainly a good one uh, to to cite. What is going on? I am Philip Price, and I host a weekly film review show out of the Movie Tavern line of theaters called Tavern Talk. It's where each week myself and a guest discuss the biggest release right after walking out of the theater. If you just search Tavern Talk on YouTube, you can find us there. Anyway, my top 10 for 2021 is number 10, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Number 9, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Number 8, Dune. Number 7, Nightmare Alley. Number 6, The Harder They Fall. Number 5, King Richard. Number 4, Old Henry. Number 3, Don't Look Up. Number 2 is Tick, Tick, Boom. And my number 1 movie of the year was The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Thanks, Aaron and Abe. I'll talk to you guys soon. I, my my predictions are going pretty high as far as what I expect to see on the rest of these lists, but I'll, I'll just I guess let's let's talk about King Richard a little bit and then we can move on because sure. I, I see that on on Mark your, on your list. Uh, what do you got to say about King Richard? So two of the best performances of the year, uh, Will Smith and Anjanu Ellis, they mm -hmm. play the parents of uh, the uh, Williams sisters, and you know who would think that a story about uh, you know, the Serena and Venus Williams would be told from the point of view of their, essentially their father, uh, hence the title King Richard, but that's what they do here. And it's an interesting way to tell the story. And Will Smith gives, you know, one of the best performances of, of the year. Uh, he, I, I mean, we know Will Smith is a good act or a good actor, but I think he, he really uh, nails this part and he's not the most likable guy. He's, he's, he's fiercely, um, protective of his daughters. So obviously that is a very admirable quality, but he can be difficult to work with, as you can see when he deals with the coaches that are trying to also, uh, you know, uh, train his daughters. He, he, he's constantly getting involved and, and telling them what to do and that sort of thing. But I just thought it was such a, a fascinating portrait. And I really, I, I just was, I, every time Will Smith was on the screen, I loved it. And then he's complimented by this really spectacular performance by Anjanu Ellis, mm -hmm. who's every, mm -hmm every part is equal. I mean, she, there's one scene in the kitchen where she just lays it on the line, you know, and, and tells him, look, I'm not here for you. I'm here for my daughters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's just such a powerful scene. And I don't know, it's just the, the performances just won me over. I mean, everybody's uh, great in the film, um, but I, I would say those two really are the standouts. And mm -hmm. uh, I, that's, that's why it made my top 10. It, it's a very good example of this kind of movie for sure. Like I, I, I've been following this one for a while just because I was, I like when Will Smith tries to do something challenging and sure. having to wait both because it was, I was waiting for it to be made. And also then it got delayed a year because of COVID. I was like, I, I want to see what this is going to turn into because I'm fascinated by this story. And I was very, 
I was not surprised that Will Smith delivered, but I am happy that he delivered among his best performances because I do think he's a very capable actor. But I also find it to be fascinating because of who Richard is as a person in real life and seeing Will Smith immediately solve the question of why does he need to star as this person? It's like, oh, because without Will Smith, the amount of charisma he brings to a role is just going to make this a terrible person you don't want to follow very much. Mm-hmm. But, sure. because, yeah. but because you have Will Smith playing a guy who, yes, Mark, you're exactly right, it, it can be seen as not very likable and certainly make questionable decisions that are sanded, the edges are sanded off a bit for this movie. Having Will Smith there is, is not, it's, it's a comfort because the movie should be accessible, but it makes the performance more complex because you want to like this guy, but it's hard to. And that's a tricky thing to pull off. And so the fact that like one of the biggest movie stars in the world is doing that effectively, that's a great benefit to the film. And then I entirely agree with you about it on Genuelos as well. Yeah, I, I think there's a few things that are really stand out to King or about King Richard for me. And we talked about the trailer a while, while back and I was saying, well, it looks very generic. When I watched the movie, what I really appreciate about it is that it's very much um, not trying to do too much. Like we talked about like... Um, Straight out of Compton kind of being like a slice of life or, or a slice of time. And this one is kind of like that too, although this kind of spans like a, a few years, but it's a Venus Williams story. It's Venus and King and, and, yeah. and Richard Williams. And they're not really going with Serena as much, which I found to be a really uh, good choice because it might be too much to have to both of them. Like, like you'd have to go through a, a decade to really tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I really liked about it is that, there was, I remember in like the 90s and, and early aughts when like the Williams sisters were coming up, and we did hear a lot about, you know, Richard being is very hard parent or he's like, he's very just difficult to deal with and whatever else. And this movie kind of just points out that like he might have been, but also he did it to protect his kids. And right. that's the, that's the, the side of the story that I didn't really hear a lot in the 99s, early aughts. So it was a well done movie. I just want to add, I have to give something credit, the movie credit because um, it's sometimes when you have people that are still alive or family members that are still alive, you don't get the kind of this well-rounded three-dimensional character that, that has its has its flaw. So I, I give the film credit for that too, mm-hmm. for putting this a, a fully fleshed character out there. Well, it's it's notably produced by the Williams sisters or in their yes, exactly. where it's not right. produced by Richard. So. <laughs> For sure. No, no, no. But I I I I I get no, that I, hear, I hear what you're no. saying. Yeah. It it, it it's I'm thinking that... of, of of Bohemian Rhapsody and <laughs> that's yeah, so. that's fair. They wrote a song every or they wrote a hit song every time they went to the studio, Marcus. But I, but I do but I, what you're at what you're you're adding here, I do think is important because it's the kind of film that has to thread a needle between being a you know a family friendly sports sure. drama as well as being something that tells a story that yeah has a lot of difficult spots to deal with and I right. I don't I think people take that for granted sometimes as far as mm-hmm. what they're assuming they're supposed to get or what they want the movie to be versus what it is and there's a good reason why I think people are celebrating it the way they do because I think they're recognizing the challenge of making a movie like this work as well as it does. Hi, my name is Terrence Johnson from LenoirTour.net, and these are my top 10 movies of the year. At number 10, King Richard. Number 9, Parallel Mothers. Number 8, Demon Slayer. Number 7, Passing. Number 6, Dramarama. Number 5, Summer of Soul. Number 4, Judas and the Black Messiah. Number 3, Benedetta. Number 2, Power of the Dog. And the number one movie of 2021 is A Hero. 
Okay. Um, I think we've talked plenty about this back half um, of films and we can't talk about everything because right, we right. have so much time. Uh, but I do think it's a good time to get to our five through one picks for our top 10 films of 2021. Marcus, let's start with you. What is your number five film? All right. So my number five film is Shiva Baby. Hey. Um, yeah, I, I, I really love this. It's, it, it, to me, this was an anxiety attack told in an hour and 17 minutes. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's a dark comedy that's filmed like a zombie movie where it's a series of unfortunate events that takes place at this funeral where this this young woman is trapped in this house with her ex-girlfriend her overbearing parents and a bunch of other relatives that she hasn't seen since she was a kid and uh, a sugar daddy who turns out to be married with a baby of his own so it's just it's ripe for for just insanity and 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 everything but it really hit there's no pause in this there's no dull moments it's it reminded me of that that first scene in the in in the graduate but just for yeah. an hour uh-huh. just cranked. <laughs> yes. Boom, you're just getting hit and he, she's getting bombarded and she has to kind of figure out what's happening and 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 keep an eye on like three different people while she's interacting with these people that are that she hasn't seen for a while that are grabbing at her that are calling saying she's way too skinny that are giving her you know these these backhanded passive aggressive you know comments while she's actually trying to you know uh, work through a situation in her life that is collapsing in front of her so i i really and, and it has a really great uh lead performance from uh rachel Sennett. yeah Sennett. Uh, yeah, so I, I I I really 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 love this movie. Uh, I just think uh, not enough people have seen. It. I haven't heard enough people talking about it, so I wanted to put it on here. It's uh, it fits right there with like something like, it fits something like with something like a Thoroughbreds for a few years ago, as far mm-hmm. as like yeah, this kind of most definitely this psychological horror film that happens to be a comedy. Um, right. It's 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 really well done, really well filmed. I'm a big fan of the film as well. Okay, I'm here to read the top 10 films from my lovely girlfriend, Anna Bosch, a shorts programmer for the Newport Beach Film Festival. Uh, She's feeling a bit under the weather, so we were unable to record this uh, together, but she did give me her top 10 films of the year. And while she would have been doing a much better job of reading out uh, the films and why uh, she picked them, I'm going to do my best uh, to encapsulate what she thought, uh, at least about her number one film. I will note that she wasn't able to see nearly as many films as she normally does in a given year, and she even has a couple short films on here, because why not? Short films are films as well. She's, she's able to respond to them um, as heartily as she does to the you know theatrical features as well. So without further ado, number 10, the documentary Fathom. Number nine, Skater Girl. Number eight, Cry Macho. Number seven, Peter Rabbit 2. Number six, F9, The Fast Saga. Number five, Godzilla vs. Kong. Number four, the short film Us Again. Number three, the short film Wind Up. Number two, American Underdog. And number one, Yesterday. And just to talk a little bit about Yesterday, she, she talked to me about why she has it at her number one. Basically, she really responded to the mother-daughter story that was being told and she felt that uh, families and, and particularly mothers and daughters they can relate to this story she appreciated that it was it was a good story it's fun but it also has like real 
things going on that relate to what mothers and daughters actually go through. There's a scene late in the film where the daughter realizes uh, what it is to be a mother, and there's just like elements like that throughout the film that Anna really enjoyed. She's seen it like three or four times at this point, and she just respected what the film was doing, while also having a lot of fun with it, because the film is designed to be fun, but it also has things that are relatable that she's certainly connected with. And so yeah, that's her top 10 films of 2021. Uh, Mark, let's go to you. What's your number five? So my number five film is The Father. And this film was obviously recognized by the Oscars back in April of last year, but it wasn't actually released until February. And it's because of a rule change there that year. And that's actually when I saw the film. And it basically has one of the greatest performances uh, by Anthony Hopkins I've ever seen. And that's saying a lot. And I think the film really does a great job at detailing the onslaught of dementia. And the way it does that is by sort of putting you into his mind by casting different actors and so that his reality becomes your reality. And it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable film because I think it details that sort of onset of dementia so well that if you've ever had that sort of experience in your own life, it will ring really true. But um, I, I thought Anthony Hopkins did a brilliant job. It is very much um, a very stagey production. Um, and that's because it was based on a play by the director, uh, Florian Zeller, uh, but he's adapting his own work. And I think they do a good job of, of, of giving you that sort of intimacy that you like in a production like this. And of course, he's, he's complimented by a, an ensemble of people, including uh, Olivia Coleman among them. And they also uh, do a good job at sort of uh, adding to his sort of, uh, you know, dis cloudy judgment as what's going on. But I, I, I thought it was really quite an achievement that he gave. I agree with everything you just said. And I think the editing in that film specifically is mm -hmm. a real accomplishment. Yes. Hi, this is Michael Lee from That's It LA, the Nerds of Color. We live entertainment and geeksofdoom.com. Uh, I'm here to talk about my top 10 movies of 2021. And at number 10, it's West Side Story. At number 9, The Green Knight. At number 8, Tick, Tick, Boom. At number 7, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. At number 6, Raya and the Last Dragon. At number 5, The Paper Tigers. At number 4, Last Night in Soho. At number 3, Coda. At number 2, Spider-Man No Way Home. And at number 1, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Uh, Abe, what's your number five? My number five is a movie we've talked about just previously is The Power of the Dog. Uh, nothing too much to add to what you guys are saying. I think that what I was really taken with was the performances in the movie by, yes, everybody. Um, and then I, I'm I'm very much blown away by the uh, cinematography. Uh, I forget who it is. Oh, it's not one of the regulars, too. Hold on. Uh, Ari Wegner. There you go. Um, and there's just beautiful shots of just open planes and what I like about this movie a lot is that um, it kind of, Aaron, you, you described it very well of, of set, sort of setting up a lot of these characters. And I really like the horror element of it early on mm -hmm. uh, of just Cumberbatch kind of like brooding around the house. And then um, uh, Kristen, uh, Kirsten, Kristen, Kirsten, but, <laughs> Kirsten, yeah. Kirsten kind of just like being very scared. And then, um, you know, as the movie kind of like unfolds and it reveals itself, I'm just like, wow, this was a very interesting movie. 
Yeah. I mean, we talk up power of the dog plenty here so far, but it certainly has that power. <laughs> um, my number, <laughs> my number five uh, is Dune. Speaking of power, sand power. Um, <laughs> it, um, uh, Marcus, I believe this is already on your list as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was big on Dune and not only was I big on Dune, I was really taken by just how involved I got into this world. I've mentioned many times already on this podcast, I did not read Dune. I only just saw the David Lynch film last year for the first time. So it's not like Dune's been in my life as far as like, I can't wait to see another adaptation of Dune. I was more or less looking forward to this because, hey, Danny Villanueva is making a new sci-fi movie. He tends to be pretty good at that. Let's see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And not only was I impressed with it, it floored me as far as just being so wrapped up in all of the drama going on here. Like the technical aspects of it, obviously are fantastic and i'm sure that's going to come up again um so i won't get too far into that but just the almost the i mean we talked about macbeth just recently abe i mean there's like shakespearean tragedy taking place in this movie at points based on the power moves going on or what have you and i really respected that story aspect of it again not being too familiar with that basic idea of what was going to happen here but like just seeing this unfold in the way it does with this ensemble cast of great actors um just doing the job here and making it this all this whole grand tale come to life even as a film that's representing only one half of a large novel i was really happy with what i got here i was really satisfied with where it decided to kind of you know stop telling its first part of the story and i can't wait to see whatever part two is going to be so no i'm a big fan of dune uh marcus let's get to your number four number four unfortunately this is the only documentary and it's not a black documentary um it's good oh yeah it's <laughs> it's gunda um, <laughs> of course it is, is. <laughs> of course it is yeah because <laughs> the black and white um uh animal activist movie that has uh no uh sound other than the i know what is it diegetic whatever other yeah. than the animal sounds mm-hmm. um yeah and <laughs> Of course it is. Um, so it, it, it's it's a movie that I, I you, you're basically watching. You're watching a lot of animals, but you're basically following a, a, a mother pig and her her piglets, and they're on this farm, and you're watching them learn from her and feed, and and you know learn how to interact and and learn how to uh, be you know be pigs, right? Um, what I took away from this movie and why I put it on this list is because I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, the slaughterhouse, mo- slaughter movies, slaughterhouse videos, all that stuff that really, I, I, I understand the purpose of it. And, and I know why uh, they, they're, they're put out there. Um, but this is kind of an alternative to that because as, as, as you're, you see these animals in the farm and as you see these um, pigs be sentient, um, you, and, and though there is no slaughterhouse scene in the movie, um, you know where this is going and you know what is happening, gonna happen to these animals. Um, and I believe that this is a strong alternative to something that would be uh, your, your slaughterhouse movie or slaughterhouse film or, or, or the slaughterhouse video that really I think turns a lot of people off mm-hmm. so the reason I put this movie on there was I think it is very important to have a movie like this as far as animal activism goes that shows you know the same thing without showing 
the brutality of it or whatever. It shows kind of the uh, brutality of it, but without showing. You're, you're getting to know the the animals and you're getting to kind of uh, um, become emotionally kind of attached to to life, you know? So I, I thought it was, I just thought it was a very, very important, important film. And it's has one of, uh, uh, it's one of the best shot films, uh, shockingly. Um, <laughs> As I didn't really sell it that well, and saying it, it, you know, it's 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 a narr- it has no narration or anything, but it's one of the best shot films, um, as, as one of the best shot uh, um, uh, nature documentaries, I guess you would call mm-hmm. it, uh, that I've ever seen. So you sold me, Marcus. I during your <laughs> during your uh, review there and your placement, I checked out the trailer. Sold. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, actually, awesome. Uh, yeah, this movie it has. I would actually, I mean, it doesn't have any slaughterhouse scenes, but I would say that the ending has one of the most the uncomfortable, is, hard yeah. to watch scenes. Is it a Carl's Jr. commercial for a Western bacon cheeseburger? Oh, no. <laughs> it's got to be something like that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very like... LeBron James comes out, I think. So. I actually, I, I, this, this, the movie made me like uncomfortable like at, at yeah. the end i i didn't feel i mean it's obviously you're not supposed to feel good mm-hmm. but it, it it makes you feel awful actually right it's a, it's a it's that ending is powerful mm-hmm. and 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 to to uh to see something like that i don't think stuff like this is is normally being allowed to be filmed because i know they filmed at like multiple different locations in the uk um to see something like this be filmed uh, uh you know the the ending especially um, is something that I, I think is worth checking out, especially if you're um, into active. Even if you're not, especially you know if you if you watch the trailer and want to look more into it, and yeah, it's 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 very good. Okay, great. I I, I hear uh, Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> quietly applauding in the corner there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, Mark, yes. what is your number four <laughs> film of 2021? So my number four film is Nightmare Alley. Hey, and this yeah. this is uh, this was a surprise to me because I saw this at the end of the year and I actually you know had no to be honest I, I wasn't a big fan of the shape of water and so I, I sort of thought oh well, this is I don't know I just didn't have high expectations and I was blown away by this film I think first of all Guillermo del Toro is known for doing films about monsters mm-hmm. and no this film does not have any monsters in it of the mythical style but it has human monsters and it has this performance from uh bradley cooper who's this sort of very charismatic man of questionable character and he you know he embodies this guy and i I won't detail the the story but i thought he was very good in this portrait and i i was sort of i i think there's this is Guillermo del Toro doing, I mean, he does, I loved the, you know, the production design, everything of The Shape of Water, and that's also in full effect here. And it, you know, it's, it's beautifully photographed. And it, mm-hmm. I guess I was just captivated by the story. I really, you know, couldn't take my eyes off the screen at what was going to happen next. And there really wasn't, and it's actually, it's a pretty long movie. I mean, it's, I, I want to say, I think it's like two and a half it's hours. It's two and a half hours. It's an so, hour longer than the original movie. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and, and I actually, because of, I saw this one first and because I loved it so much, I went back, I, I went and watched the original version. And I thought, and maybe it's because I saw this one first. I thought the original version is fine. It's very low budget though. Um, it, it does have Tyrone Power in it, who was, you know, a, a 
big name actor. But I, I thought it was actually not done with the sort of grand, you know, style that this film was done. And it's just, I really got, I was involved in the, the way that the characters interacted and, and the story. And I was just fascinated. I mean, the two and a half hours just flew by. And one perf great performance after another. I mean, uh, Tony Collette and David Strathairn are carnies that sort of teach Bradley Cooper the tricks of the trade. Mm -hmm. And then he's he's attracted to um, uh, Rooney Mara and they, they go off and then they, they meet Kate Blanchett, who's this psychiatrist, and she's a it's a it's a neo noir, basically a film noir of the of the recent era. And Kate uh, uh, Blanchett is like a femme fatale of the classic tradition, and she also gives a great performance. And I just I was riveted. I mean, I was riveted throughout. And then it also it had it's beautiful it's beautiful to look at. I've heard some people criticize that like they wish it had been filmed in black and white. I'm I'm good with the color. I mean, I know they presented it in black and white as as a special edition, um, but I, I'm good with the color. I I, I actually I, I liked all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely one of one of my favorite. I mean, obviously it's my number four. Is one of the my favorite films of the year. Yeah, watching it, I was just like, Guillermo del Toro is a master craftsman. Like, yeah. everything is expertly set up. He is so good at his craft that he's like, I want this lighting. I want this uh, set up uh, in the background. Bradley, you're going to stand here. Like, his blocking, everything is so on point that I was just like, this is uh, so beautiful to look at. Yeah, definitely. It's always great to watch a movie uh, uh, filmed by somebody who is this child of film this just you know That's you right. can tell he, he that this is like, reels of film exactly you know you can you can tell he 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 was the product can, of a real titan situation exactly <laughs> oh, no. we didn't we didn't we didn't talk about that one um but yeah you, it, it's 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 beautiful like i i i equated it to like a uh episode of twilight zone something that's very twilight zony um sure. how with how it's bookend i I'm with you, Mark. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. It, it, when, he, when he does the carnival too, like this is what Guillermo del Toro does best. Like he recreates a carnival in, in a way that you're like, I want to go to that carnival. I mean, it's kind of sinister. I mean, there's there's sideshow acts and things that you know you would 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 be illegal today. Uh, but they they have things that you know he he just does such a good job of presenting this. It, it's amazing that he's not only done a not done a carnival scene before this movie. But That's somehow we thought, but you're somehow, right. Yeah, but somehow didn't hire Doug Jones to be one of the carnies in this what? movie. <laughs> That's what threw me off. It's like there's no room for, for tall man Doug Jones to be in here. Yeah, uh, I just assume he was busy. Um, I I I look forward to revisiting this movie in the future. Like mm -hmm. I, I certainly like it, but I'm I'm not nearly as taken by it as some others are, including you, Mark. Um, and I am I'm curious. I don't I don't think the black and white version is only going to like transport me to another time. Be like, oh my god, now I really like this. Uh, but I, I am curious what that what that looks like, and I do hope that the home release has both versions on it yeah. because I'm certainly curious to see it as that way as well. I wasn't on the episode that we recorded for the review or for the mini review, but I would have used the hashtag uh, "Don't play the spook game." There you go. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Be, uh, months ago, I guess before it came out, it was a favorite to to get all these Oscars, and then it came out, and I guess the reaction has been sort of mixed. And uh, I, I'm surprised. Like, I, I, I actually, I mean, I, I, I thought it was, I mean, obviously I thought it was quite good. And I, I'm a little surprised why uh, reactions to it have cooled. 
I mean, I'm certainly going to pick up a lot of technical nods. And uh, I, Brad, Bradley Cooper, I think, is in that six-man spot right now where he could slide in, maybe. We'll, we'll see what happens. Kate Blanchett, too, for supporting actors. We'll, we'll see what happens mm-hmm. as it goes on. It certainly has its fans. Like, it's on a lot of top ten lists. We'll, we'll see if that transfers over. Certainly. Right. Uh, Abe, what is your number four film? My number four is a little movie called Judas and the Black Messiah. This is a movie... Um, Kind of like it won uh, the Academy Award for Best uh, Actor, and it's kind of been in the Academy Award race from from last year, uh, with a release date of February of of, of uh, twenty twenty one. But I, this is just a, an excellent movie, like in all regards, acting, directing, um, script, like the way that they shot it. Like, it is just a movie that I thought was phenomenal, packed with powerhouse performances. I mean, there's. I went back and rewatched the trailer for it, and they have um, Fred Hampton doing the, uh, the speech. Uh, the speech, and I was just like, if there's just so much to that speech, and then the way that it continues, and the way that he starts to like um, Daniel Kaluuya kind of gets uh, emotional during that speech, the looks that Lakeith Stanfield shares with uh, with our boy Landry, um, uh, Jesse Plemons, <laughs> yeah. But there's just so much going on. And I, I, I'm, we talked about it a while ago. Um, the scene that still sticks in my head is, is uh, Lakeith Stanfield kind of leaving the party and how Shaka King kind of allows the camera to stay on him for just a little bit longer than you expect. It makes you feel uncomfortable, but also confuses you, maybe even saddens you at sometimes. Um, but it's, it's a terrific movie. I have nothing but praise for Jesus and the Black Messiah. There you go. Uh, my uh, number four film is The Mitchells versus The Machines. What? I um, completely agree. As I like far how as, high you have it. Yeah, I mean, it's my favorite yeah. animated film of the year. And honestly, I mean, over the years between Spider-Verse and right. Le- Lego movie, like this is entirely up my alley when it comes yeah. to this, this, this form of animation as far as the kind of reverent humor mixed with uh, ambitious uh, choices for the animation and, you know, an overall, an underlying message that, you know, is overall quite positive and good for people to hear um it's such a it's such a fun movie to watch it's full of ideas uh it's it not that i like would have doubted the creative team behind this but when it was originally being you know pushed out uh as a, what connected uh, yes, when it was going right. to get theaters right i i felt a lot less interested in what was going on here i didn't i didn't know it was a phil lord chris miller production so like mm-hmm. that that aspect escaped me mm-hmm. but when it just when it had the you know the middles versus the machines and it was coming to to netflix like yes it's a shame that it had to be on a streaming service but at the same time what a gift this movie was <laughs> like it's just such a blast to watch it has so many fun characters it has so many layered jokes as i've already described it has some of my favorite scenes of the year as far as the comedy involved there's so many little bits that make me chuckle when i think about them um you guys have talked a lot about it already so i won't go too far on this but just the Mitchell's versus machines uh just another stunning animated film coming from sony pictures animations of all places right. like you know they I, I can't wait to see what they do with the next spider-verse movie but i really like how this film, it does feel like just the next step up from Spider-Verse as far as like it's the animation choices. They're certainly deliberate. And I like that it feels specific to what it's doing. And mm-hmm. that accompanied by a great script, just good stuff all around. So big fan. <laughs> good one. Thanks, Aaron. Hi, it's Brandon Peters from The Brandon Peters Show. And here are my top 10 films of 2021. Starting at number 10, Zola. 
or at Zola. I think it's at Zola, and everybody keeps calling it Zola, but it's supposed to be like the Twitter handle, at Zola, that's like on the poster and stuff. But hey, uh, at Zola, number 10. Number nine, no time to die. Number eight, last night in Soho. Number seven, Nightmare Alley. Number six, The Last Duel. Number five, Malignant. Hell yeah, Malignant, number five. Number four, The Green Knight. Number three, Dune. Number two, Licorice Pizza. And number one for 2021, West Side Story. Loved it. Here's to a hopefully even better year in 2022. Thank you out now with Aaron and Abe. I hope you enjoyed my top 10. All right, Marcus, what's your number three film of the year? My my number three is going to be Luca, and this is my only uh, animation on my list. Um, and I think it, it really delivers. I, 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 uh, the high quality animation is there. It's got an entertaining storyline with lots of levity, levity themes of fear, loss, acceptance, the stuff that we usually get in, in a lot of really nice uh, Pixar movies um, in, in ways that uh, children can digest and, and uh, parents will be still entertained by. Um, I think the forefront of this uh, movie is why, um, why this movie is probably one of the most important animation animated films in the Pixar canon, even though, you know, it may look kind of quote unquote, just whimsical. I, there's that Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Who are you making fun on, of? On its, I, on its I, surface. <laughs> I think I, I saw Pee Wee Herman come out with the magic words. Callback, <laughs> yes. Callback, yeah. What a callback. Um, I think, I think it, it, it will be seen as kind of like a, 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 a movie that will celebrate uh, an LGBTQ uh, plus story. And uh, even though I know that there's been a lot of talk from the director and, and whatnot, uh, saying pushing that that away, but uh, I, I think uh, it's you know it's, it's an interpretation. Tell. That's what's good about it's that an film. it's an it's an interpretation, and I and I know where I, from from what he's said, it 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 rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Right. Um, it made it seem like you know no 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 no. That's it's an interpretation, but that's clearly not it. Kind of like that's not it, but interpret it the other way. So that's what it made me. It made it seem like okay. Uh, what, what am I to? Uh, what am I to assume? This is Disney, yeah. right? Yeah. So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of different things. So this is yeah. what I took out of it. This is the big headline that I took out, of it, and that's why I think it's the most important. Of uh, uh, I could have put Mitchell and Machines on here. That it, it it nearly missed my list too. But this is why this one made it. Love it on my list. Yeah, it's Good so place. colorful. Yeah. yeah. It's very colorful, yes. You and uh, exactly, yeah. You and uh, Mm -hmm. our our good friend who traveled by Pony Express, you know, Bronco Henry. Bronco Henry loved loved the movie. Yes, he loved it more than Marcus. Yeah, (laughs) he did. He did. I'm surprised Gunda wasn't on the list. It's uh, <laughs> too personal for he him. He does um, ranch. Yeah, I still want a plate of that pasta that those boys were eating the whole movie. The, yeah. pasta pasta. Just the great. director has exactly the on his Twitter. He does. No, I I saved it. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's in my in my top ten list. Actually, I do have I have a lot of Easter eggs. I believe I have the recipe for that in one of the Easter eggs in my top ten list. Nice, awesome. Mark, what is your number three film? So my number three film is Licorice Pizza. And this is from Paul Thomas Anderson and probably 
my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film since, well, maybe since Boogie Nights, at least since There Will Be Blood. This was wow. a, a beautiful film. Um, you know, it's set in California's San Fernando Valley, and that's where Paul Thomas Anderson has lived most of, most of his life. So he, he knows this, this air, you know, uh, L.A. area. And then what he also does is he kind of uses real life and weaves that uh, with fiction into this really compelling tale. So it feels really fully realized. And you got this sort of odd couple romance at the heart of the story, uh, Gary and Alana. And, you know, they meet and she kind of pushes him away. He sort of tries to ask her out. They do go out and then sort of begins a sort of like uh, romance of ups and downs. It's a very uh, sort of lackadaisical, you know, uh, plot. It, it takes its time, but I think it's not in a hurry to get anywhere, but I kind of, I was there along for the ride. I think it's, it's beautifully laid out. It has so many funny scenes. I mean, one funny you know, little sketch after another. Uh, there's, I mean, so um, there's a little, uh, it's, it's one of the things that it's based on is uh, there's a guy named Gary Getzman who <laughs> was a Hollywood producer and he was a child actor who was in the comedy Yours, Mine and Ours, which starred Lucille Ball. So there is actually <laughs> a part in the film where he's in this little production number where Christine Ebersole is playing a version right, of right. Lucille Ball. Not Lucille Ball, but definitely a version of her. And, and it's hilarious. And then Bradley Cooper is also in it. And he's, I think he is actually playing. He's actually John, playing John Peter. He's, he's, he's playing John Peters. And from what I hear, it's it's not too far from the truth. Um, he may may disagree with that. But anyway, it is funny. I bet he's proud of it. I bet he's proud of it. I'm sure that right, he really, really holds it in high regard. He, he seems like the guy that would be ecstatic to, to see this on screen. Is, <laughs> let's, let's say he's very confident, right? Yes, he is. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, uh, Sean Penn is playing a, a version of William Holden anyway. So all all of these things are sort of woven into the story and I was I just loved it I mean yeah. I was never bored there was never at any point where I was looking at my watch you know again this is also a, a fairly long film I or no maybe this is just a little over two hours so yeah. it's not that long but but still I mean it flew by I when it was over I was like oh my gosh I want I want more I want to see more of the adventures of of these two crazy kids so I I, I really enjoyed it and yeah, uh, yeah. And, it, and it's this it's also, I didn't even talk about the production design and the music. It's got a great soundtrack. Great, soundtrack. great needle drops. He doesn't write and he doesn't pick songs that you've heard, like, you know, Hello, Cruella, like that you've heard 50,000 times. <laughs> it's picking songs that are, you know, probably people heard at the time, but but aren't haven't been played to death. So, it, and it, it, you know, I started listening to the soundtrack on uh, Spotify and there's another film um you know, last night in Soho, which also had a great soundtrack mm -hmm. uh, last year. So, um, yeah, all of these things came together to really create this wonderful portrait. Yeah, uh, reading that that Paul Thomas Anderson had known Gary. Um, what, what's his last name? Getzman. Getzman. Gary Getzman. I was like, this. It it clearly is just like stories that Gary Getzman told him, and then he's like, let me just make a movie about it. And <laughs> something I also mentioned during the my my mini review of it um, last week was just that. PTA is just at a point now where he's just like, I'm a really good filmmaker. I know that, but mm -hmm. let me also like still do things that I really love. I don't have to make Phantom Thread every other year. Let me just make something that really is true to me and true to my heart. Last thing I'll say is like the way that Tom Waits comes on the screen, fucking incredible. 
Yeah, yeah, through like a pillar of smoke. <laughs> yeah, <basically. laughs> fucking incredible. Uh, I yeah, I'm a huge. It was on my top ten. It was in my number six slot or whatever. Like, it's super great. Um, it, it, it's such a, it's such a comfortable film to watch. Like, because of just how kind of laid back the story is, but how engrossed you are in the world that's being created here. Uh, the thing that like, I, it's not being overlooked, but. He, you're right, exactly right, Abe. He is Anderson is such a great filmmaker, and the cinematography in his films is such just a joy to like mm-hmm. see, as far as him capturing a, a certain moment and capturing it in a very unique way, just a unique way, no very unique. Um, it, what you know, the way the camera moves through the this this '70s setting uh, is <laughs> like you can get wrapped up in the plot of this all or the characters or whatnot, but like the way he's presenting so much of this is wonderful. There's a whole sequence where Gary goes into this. Um, like tv con thing where it's like a lot it's like one long shot of him walking into this thing and you like you, and you pass by john c riley's cameo as as a uh, herman monster yes. um but like <laughs> but like the way it's shot it's like over his shoulder so it's very obscure like watching all this play out and it's i just find that like these choices are so like deliberate and so like interesting as far as like he's clearly had a whole production put together this entire elaborate thing and you're barely seeing any of it because you want to, he wants you to focus so much on Gary and Alana's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, this is a filmmaker that entirely trusts the audience to want to know more about this instead of like, what's going on in that corner? Like, sure. I have stuff there, but these are the people that matter. And there's choices like that throughout the film that I think are incredibly important that mm-hmm. emphasize what's there while also showing, yeah, I know this stuff's here, but look how good this movie looks just from what I'm doing with it. Right. So. Yeah, I didn't and I didn't mention, but Benny Safdie uh, plays uh, uh-huh. an LA politician, and even I mean, the side character also has this sort of poignancy and sadness that's you know imbued into his character, and that's also based on real life. And mm-hmm. there's just such a depth to yeah. all of these like characters. It's it's amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. Is the guy I think where he has like you know full books written about each of these people, and he just shows you as much as he needs to for the film. Yeah, itself. when he writes the fictional novelization, <laughs> just the way that they did with like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's mm-hmm. probably gonna be like two thousand pages. I mean, speaking of that, this movie is a, like a great double with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. as far as that, right. as far as, and like just the laid back storytelling going on. It's like let me just throw you into this world, right? Hey, Mark Hoffmeyer here of the Jet Ski Action Scene Podcast, and I'm just so honored to share my top 10. What's cool is that, you know, I came up with my top 10 at the end of December. It's been a couple weeks. I'm looking back at my list and nothing's changed. Like, I'm really happy with where these are at. So here's the top 10. So I'll start at 10, Benedetta. Number nine, Bergman Island. Number eight, Dune. Seven, Petite Maman. Little Mom. Yeah, so good. Oh my gosh. Uh, The Worst Person in the World is number six the suicide squad is number five number four is undina or as i like to call it undine number three is pig and something that's really cool is i'm part of the georgia see film critics association and we voted for nick cage as the best actor of 2021 so he won he's the georgia film critics association's best actor winner makes me very happy now it's a top two (laughs) two Two movies that are very important to me. So number two is Malignant. Uh, yeah, James Wan has just crafted one of the, the best bonkers, bonkeriest, craziest, oddest, most beautiful horror films I've seen in a very long time. And number one is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. This movie could have been horrible, but I just think it's hilarious. 
Uh, you have no idea where it's going. Edgar's Prayer, that song is great. I mean, it's just a wonderful movie. But yeah, that's it. Those are my top 10. Uh, listen to the Jet Ski Action Scene Podcast. Thanks. Abe, what is your number three film? My number three film of 2021 is The Green Knight. Mine's also The Green Knight. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. There you go. Is it really? The highest yes. thing I can say about this is that I've thought about this movie like once a week ever since seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. And it is a movie that's been on my mind. Aaron and I talked about it on our Nights episode. Nice. We, we kind of just like expounded a bunch of praise on it. But I think my encapsulation of it is that it is a, a $15 million budget movie that looks way more expensive, has outstanding performances, and a story that I wasn't familiar with. But I found myself super engrossed, and I think Dev Patel turned in one of the best performances of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a movie that, I again I've thought about it once a week for for however many weeks since I saw it. So Aaron, what I, about you? I entirely agree with you. And boy, was I happy to see this in the theater, but boy, does that 4K look amazing also. Oh, nice. oh my Perfect. goodness. It is such a great home release. Yeah. <laughs> as far as just like now I have the chance to like stop this thing and just look at the details going on here and the choices mm-hmm. David Lowry's making as a director. Much like Paul Thomas Anderson, the cinematography here is so wonderful. Like they Stellar. went to yeah. went to what like north northern uh northern ireland to films a lot of this and yes yeah it's just such a a great use of this landscape to create this otherworldly place that's you know set in medieval times and has this kind of these varying hints of fantasy all around it between the scenes with like giants or this this um this this um talking fox this to- uh, talking fox but also <laughs> the, 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 go- the ghost woman um, yes. oh yeah that was my favorite story Mm-hmm. Yeah. just like all these little details that come in and the use of color i think is wonderful yeah. uh, you, you know, like it has all these shades and then, then yes at the center of this thing is dev patel who i think is just tremendous here like i thought he was so good last year in um the david copperfield movie and this year he's playing a character that's not that at all and mm-hmm. it's like this guy like and just the, just him in general like he has so much screen charisma where it's like give him something to just like be in a mainstream big thing and like show people how good Deb Patel is at all times because he's such a a great presence on screen and like right. I, I love the way this story lets you see him just struggle with everything yes all, yeah. all for the sake of like trying to prove himself and earn a legacy and shine in the eyes of king arthur and seeing all the tr- all you know all the difficult things that he's put through in this like even like walking on a hill at one point he just slips and falls like nothing goes right for him right, <laughs> like it's yeah. such a it's such a struggle for him to get through everything in this and then just the visual effects work for again as you said a 50 million dollar movie this is an a24 epic and mm-hmm. it just <laughs> it's just astounding how much is like put on the screen. That's a combination of CG as well as a lot of practical work that you can't really tell if there's any justice, this movie would get a visual effects nomination right alongside all the CG fests that are also. Yeah. And if there still was a category for sound editing, I would say nominate that for sound editing too. Mm -hmm. There's yeah, just, just a really rich film that I think reveals even more every time I check it out. It's such a, a, a major accomplishment and the story itself that it's based on. Like I, the our screening gave us a book like the, nice. the green knight book yeah. and it's not long but it's a good read and then i watched the movie again and i was like yeah there's so much to appreciate about like how he's adapted the story right so stay for the credits and the ending stay for the credits yeah, yeah. it gets give some hints about the themes that i really like thinking about right <laughs> i just uh, want to uh, yeah, support please. everything you guys have said i i had it at my number nine and i didn't get to talk about it but uh-huh. i i i think 
I mean, everything you said is correct. And I, I think it's one of those things where it's, it's an adventure, but reimagined as a series of moving paintings. And it's yes, really, that's a great know, way to describe it. The atmosphere, just to revel and experience. And it's not so much to comprehend, it's just to enjoy. And they, they have these title cards and this sort of flowery old English fonts that are scattered to, to provide some sort of structure. But, you know, overall, it is just something to, to sort of enjoy. And you've mentioned Dev Patel, I will confirm he was great. And, uh, you know, in a film that's all about the visual, I think it's a very clever and very conspicuous decision to cast Dev Patel as an Arthurian knight. <laughs> and I, I think it's a very, it's a very good choice. Yeah. It, and there's even like, there's even subtle commentary on that choice in the movie, like in like a painting and like how, how the skin color of that painting, like, there's just like things going on there that just get into your head as far as what he's trying to do. I just, yeah, yeah it's, it's a, it's, it's just masterfully done all around. Yeah. And again, I, the other highest praise I can say is something I talked to Aaron about is just that I, there are movies where when you watch them, you're like, I wish I could make that. <laughs> this is one of those movies. I was that's like, the, I wish I was this creative for $15 million. That's what Marcus says when he watches Gunda. Exactly. <laughs> he drives yeah. by farms now thinking, I Marcus, let's get a Salinas. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm actually watching it right now. I'm just kidding. Marcus, what is your number two film of 2021? Um, my number two film is West Side Story. What? Ooh, I live um, in America. Nice, yeah, Marcus. Exactly. I'm proud yes. of you. A happy movie? I, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, this, doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. I can I move it back up my list? Um, I just, okay. So there's a couple of reasons why I, I absolutely love this, but you know, point blank, I think Steven Spielberg made it better mm-hmm. um you know yes. we all know the story all, all you know and going into this the expectations were were sky high you know um but the stuff that spielberg and, and tony kushner add to this story um i think give it con- more context and and give the, make the characters more three-dimensional and the camera work is fantastic. The choreography is breathtaking. I was in the theater. This is one of the, the I had taken a, a little break while uh, the last, between the last movie and this movie. Um, and the theater w- that I was in of, of uh, you know, 10 people, you know, as you can tell, the theater that I was in mm-hmm. of 10 people, it was vibrating. Um, you wow. know, the songs are great and everything, but just the camera work and, and the choreography and everything put together. I also, I know that um, uh, a lot has been made out of, uh, of the no subtitles with the Latino characters uh, speaking Spanish. And I know it may not seem like uh, much to some people, but I, I, I feel like with people who don't look to the original for representation, Latinos who don't look to the original for representation, this really reaffirms that this is a Latino story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great move. And it, yeah, exactly. And furthermore, I'll say it contains more Afro-Latino representation than in the Heights. So um, anyway, that's all. That's a long way of saying, I think Steven Spielberg is the greatest act- director of lives. Did, were you going to say greatest athlete? Seen, yeah, he's great. Have greatest you seen him run a race in a scarf? Uh, oh my God. Four, he, four, the competition. he does a 4440 in... Wow, um, <laughs> that's why he wears the scarf so you can so you can keep up with it. But you yeah, so, so Spielberg is 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 the greatest director alive, in my opinion. I think well he, he crushes this, you know. Um, 
Yeah, it's it yeah. is fantastic. I think I wrote on Mark's comment that I was I I, I teared up. So kind of funny. I um the the best thing I can say outside of all the things that I've written and spoken about already on this podcast in my review is that I I have no doubt that when I look back at my list as this is not in my top ten. I'll probably rearrange you to put this in my top 10. Like I, it's, go. it's such a good movie. <laughs> like yeah. as far as yeah. taking everything that you know about West Side Story and being like, what if I added this and put this spin on it and fleshed out these people and, you know, did this stuff with Janusz Kaminski who decided to like really step up his game and deliver to the best <laughs> way possible. <laughs> um, it's, there's just so much here that I really enjoyed about a new adaptation of what is my favorite musical of all time. <laughs> so it's like, how, how do you, how do you not support this? Uh, and then America was like, well, we just won't go to the theater. And I'm like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was a bummer. Is um, this getting a release on, on Disney Plus? Or is that what I've been hearing or no? That's a good I question. I, that's, I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually makes its way to Disney Plus yeah. or, or like, I guess, who, I guess Hulu. I don't know how that works. I, I, because yeah, it's, I don't know. It's PG thirteen, but it's Spielberg. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what Disney Plus right. wrestles with as far as that distinction goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing that I wanted to add to Marcus was just that Spielberg is such a master. Um, this is a movie. This is a musical that feels like a musical, but also feels like a movie that is very complete, and it is just something that really transports you. We talked about um, like kind of going back to the theaters for things. This was something that was definitely like a spectacle type of movie. It was really, mm-hmm. really great. Yeah, most that's most a, definitely, it's it's an event. Yeah, that that's a great point. That that is something that I'm I'm trying to emphasize in my crassness, where <laughs> it's it's a movie that absolutely deserves to be seen on a big screen, just as much as any you know giant uh, big budget. I mean, this is a hundred million dollar movie. It, it it deserves to be seen all of the other hundreds of million dollar movies that have come out in recent years, just because of how much of a spectacle it is on the grandest of scales when it comes to movie musicals. Yeah, right. Hi, Aaron and Abe. This is Jay from Life vs. Film, the large association of movie blogs, and Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, with my top 10 films of 2021. As usual, uh, the, my, the list I've got on my own site is different from this one because I had UK releases, whereas I'm just going to do films that were readily available worldwide in 2021 uh, for your list here. So, actually, half of my top 10 would be films that came out the previous year for you guys. But my top 10 is my number 10. It's actually a TV movie, a film called Help, starring Jodie Comer and Stephen Graham, uh, which is agonising to watch. It's about the pandemic. It came out mid-pandemic, but it's incredible acting, phenomenal. Uh, but you'll know the other nines. So I won't give you to the most. Number nine is No Time to Die. Number eight is Greenland. Number seven is June. Number six is Oxygen. Number five is Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar. Number four is The Suicide Squad. Number three is Spider-Man No Way Home. Number two is Last Night in Soho, and number one in lieu of any new additions to the Deep Blue Sea franchise last year, number one was the Mitchells vs. the Machines. Thanks for having me on again, I look forward to being on again in the future. Thanks guys. Happy New Year. Uh, Mark, what is your number two film of the year? So my number two film of the year is Coda. And All right. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And Coda is a very simple saga. It's just a chronicle about a girl who triumphs over different challenges by juggling her talents and interests with the demands of her family. And yes, it is a formulaic account, but it's the way that those elements are creatively put together that matters. And it's the way it engages your emotions. 
I found myself so engaged. I teared up several times throughout this film because I just felt like the, the story of this girl, um, Ruby Rossi, played by Amelia Jones, who I think gives one of the best performances of the year, um, is so compelling. And then she has a, a family uh, uh, played by actors. Uh, Troy Katsour is her father. Daniel Durant is her brother. And Marley Matlin plays her mother. None of them um, can hear. So they want her to help out with the family's fishing business. She wants to, to sing. And her, it all culminates with this performance that I just was weeping where she's on the stage and they're in the balcony and, you know, you'll have to watch the film to mm -hmm. understand why it's so powerful. But it just, it, it just, it's a, a portrait of humanity that really engaged me. And I, you know, it is one of those films that I think people have a tendency. I mean, I, I put it at number two, so I've really found it powerful. But I, I know it's the kind of film that a lot of people will dismiss as like, oh, well, this is just a, a story that I've seen before. But I don't think it's, I don't think stories like this always engage your emotions in the way that this film did. And um, yeah, I just, I, I thought it was a really charismatic ensemble. So I think the four actors work well together. Um, it, it has some nice music. Uh, Amelia Jones is a good singer. She is a British woman, but she plays an American very convincingly. Once again, I was surprised to find out she was an American. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just one of the most engaging stories about people. And it, it is an uplifting story, and, and I do like those. So that's why it's my number two. <laughs> it's, I, a, it's a really yeah. solid movie. I, I really yeah. like the, it, it. You know, it's a you can call it a sentimental film, but that doesn't make it a bad thing whatsoever. I do think it knows how to play into the, you know, the, the family aspect quite well. It delivers on the drama in the ways it needs to, regardless of whether or not you can tell where this thing is going. It is about the journey. And I do think it's a really solid journey to be on. I, I agree with you about the ensemble. It's, it's a really strong ensemble. And I do think uh, with Troy Kutzer in particular as the father, he's very good in this movie. Everybody's very good in this movie, but I, I, I you know, the there's different degrees that he has to play as far as you know sometimes being humorous sometimes being dramatic playing oh other like there's there's just stuff that i i really appreciated um in in coming out of this film there there was i i want to i want to make uh, a mention of of something of how it was filmed um that there were long sequences without vocal breaks where you watch two people sign for an extended period of time, which I don't think that I've seen in a while in, mm -hmm. in film. You don't see it all the time. And I really appreciated that, um, uh, you know, for representation purposes, uh, yes, but for, for a movie that was um, uh, this easily digestible, I guess, that a lot of people saw, um, it's good to see um, something like this mm -hmm. for sure yeah the the use of asl in this film i think is yes. it's a it's a strong it's a strong effort to i don't know if normalize is the right word but the way it you know it relies on that as the language of the film is very effective yes. mm -hmm. and the film also it has a sense of humor it, it is about you know the deaf but it's not this maudlin account i mean there's one part where the parents are discussing Ruby's singing career and the mother is worried and she says, well, what if she can't sing? Maybe she's awful. And the father like responds quickly, no, she's not awful. And she's like, really, have you heard her? You know, so like it has a sense yeah. of humor and it, it, it's got those like little bits of humor as, as well as poignant attitudes that are like. And also the thing that I really validates me is the fact that 
Marcus put it as his number nine. Yeah, pick, that's what I was going to say. Oh, which I'm I haven't losing my touch. I haven't mentioned, but that that surprised me. <laughs> I'm losing my touch. I, I, you're becoming an old softy. I don't know what's you're, going you're, on. You're growing a heart. Yeah. Yeah, I have no. It's the isolation. You I, must have met the Who's in Whoville. I, I, I don't don't worry Zach I'm sure Zach Snyder's Justice League is right on its way so let's <laughs> yeah this is spoiler alert <laughs> Abe what is your number two film of the year my number two movie of the movie or my number two movie of the movie my number yep. two film of 2021 is Dune um it is a movie that I've visited three times twice in theaters um once on Arrakis then, uh, yeah, I've been to Arrakis <laughs> quite a bit. Um, but we talked about this in the review. What a beautiful, spectacular spectacle movie to go see in theaters. Like this is sort of, I I sort of was uh, kind of like hearing Denny Villeneuve say, oh, my movies are made for theaters. And I was like, whatever, Denny. I went to go see this in the theater. I was like fucking blown Screw away. you. And I was like, he's right. He made a movie for theaters. And I see now that he wasn't sort of being like, maybe he was being a little bit haughty about it, but a little bit more of just like, hey man, like these movies are are giant spectacle movies and please go see them where um, the loudest, biggest possible screen you can. But beyond all the technical stuff and uh, the uh, things like that, we mentioned this in the review, this is a movie that doesn't explain anything. So it doesn't treat you like a child. And it doesn't have to say like, oh, well, welcome to Arrakis. It was founded in like 89 BC and this is what the people do. And it's like, it's just the characters, the world is built around you as you're going through there. You're exploring it with Paul and Aaron, you mentioned it. You know, I'm feeling like a weird mixture of emotions, Shakespearean or what, whatever else that go with this storyline. And I can't wait for part two. I mean, I was just super enthralled by this. And this is just a movie that I think... I would not hesitate to recommend this movie. I, I want to piggyback on the on the uh, your the whole setup uh, that you mentioned there. There's a uh, so much exposition to be had in a movie like this, mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like work at all. Yeah. So yeah. I, that's what I was dreading. I had read uh, I had read Dune, and I was like, oh man, how how is this going to be possible? And I could see the setup happening, but it didn't feel like oh, this feels easy, this I'm in the world and, you know, whatever. And that's power to that, that, the great filmmaker. So mm -hmm. I, um, I've said this in some ways already, but like I saw Dune with my dad and what I appreciate about this, because my dad's seen plenty of these like spectacle films and whatnot, and he gets tired of some of them because it just feels like he's seeing the same old thing. He loved Dune. He was so like involved and invested in this story and that, and the, when he looked over at me after it ended and was like, that was great. Oh, that, just, that was such a nice feeling to be like, we just watched this movie. We really had a great time watching it together. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. I've already expressed plenty of thoughts on Dune, but I do think it's pretty great. Um, oh, that's me. Yeah. What's my number two film? It is Judas and the Black Messiah. Heard of it. Yeah. Yes. Um, this movie is excellent. <laughs> I mean, maybe you've talked about it already. Um, but I, Please I do, expand on it more. I, I do think the film um it's it's an important story um i'm very happy that it was able to collect the um, awards that it did for daniel kaluuya as well as the the song um as well as just getting the praise it received in general it was nominated for a lot of awards coming towards the end of that period too since the film like again it opened this year and it was still able to kind of make its way into being one of the major awards players at the oscars but regardless of all that it's just a really good movie i 
appreciated that it was telling the story of Fred Hampton, but I really appreciated the angle it was coming at it from. Instead of just being a straight up biopic, it worked as like basically an action movie that was like couched within this genre. And so you have this thrilling tale of Lakeith Stanfield's character as this basically a mole whose perspective you're seeing this film from. And the way you see all the drama unfolding and, you know, the varying real life events play out, it's tragic as well as illuminating, especially for those who, which is likely many that just don't really know what the Black Panther Party was all about and the agenda they had, Mm -hmm. um, which is certainly far less nefarious than the U.S. government wanted to make you think it was. Uh, So at the same time, it's still, you know, it's a gritty thriller like it's still working off those angles and it's doing a terrific job of making it very tense to watch uh, while appreciating these wonderful performances between all the main cast members uh, including martin sheen's slathered in makeup to be a hoover um it's That's just right. <laughs> it's it uh, I, I was just really taken by the film like i was really excited about it from that trailer you mentioned abe from the start where i was like yeah i can't wait to see what this is and I was very happy that it just delivered all the way through on being something that felt like it had a lot to say, had a stylish way of saying it and got the best people for the jobs to be involved in making this thing come to life from a debut director to, or at least a debut mainstream filmmaker, no less. So mm-hmm. I was, I was very happy with, with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah for sure. Nice. Hello out now. This is Alan coming in with your top seven. Because, you know, 10 is too many, but 7 is just right. Number 7 is going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. Number 6 is going to be Ron's Gone Wrong. Number 5 is going to be Cruella. Number 4 is going to be No Time to Die. Number 3 is going to be The French Dispatch. Number 2 is going to be Dune. Number 1 is going to be The Last Duel. Child of the 90s that loves Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. I think they've made a great film. I think they reunited. I think that Ben Affleck just steals the show i think adam driver coming in and doing some good work it was a good work all around but jody just jody comer just really really did a great job i'm a big fan of that i'm really bummed that not enough people not enough people saw it i'm bummed that not enough i recommend it to a bunch of people at work and just nobody nobody really wanted to deal with it it's pretty heavy it's not like a crowd pleaser in that it's a heavy subject matter but i think for a big budget film that comes comes out from a big studio Great stuff. I th- I think that more movies like that should be made, but with today's day and age and the new climate, I don't think we're going to get movies like that anymore, and that's a shame, but big fan. My favorite movie of the year is The Last Duel by Ridley Scott. Uh, thanks, guys. Hope to be on the show soon again. Just give me give me a movie. I'll go see it. I don't mind. We'll talk about it. We'll, you know, we'll gab. We'll talk about things. Have a good time. Have a few laughs. Go to the West Coast. It'll be great. All right, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Marcus, here we are. Robinson, top of the list. Batman, Superman, or what is your number one film? (laughs) 2021. I was trying to be quick and think of some dark, slow movie, but um, my my number one uh, movie is Last Night in Soho. Oh, oh, wow! Look at you. Yeah, I, I know. Look at me. I got. I got. Uh, it's a, it's a dark it's a dark it's very dark give me some credit give me some credit um yeah okay so it's not a movie i walked in kind of not knowing what type of movie i had seen plenty of trailers but not you you don't Same. get the full kind of um 
you know, impact of it from the trailers. So there's a lot of movie here. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anybody could fit this much movie into one experience, it's, it's Edgar Wright. Um, the movie is, you know, about a woman who gets transported into the 1960s London. It's visually delicious and with every stylized sequence popping and grabbing and pulling audiences into the film um, just like she's getting pulled into 1960s London um, I think the script is perfect I think uh, it fluidly slides in and around the horror genre and until it becomes this kind of unexpected mystery I I really had a great time with this it's it's and I know this is going to be blasphemy here, but it's my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Um, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough. I've seen it three times. So I could, I just couldn't get enough of this, of the visuals, everything. So yeah, that's why, that's why it's my number one. Mark is the, the, uh, I said this in the review, the thing that really like made me um, jump out of my seat a little bit was in the beginning, I was like, oh, cool. This is like set in the 1960s. And then she puts on Beats headphones. I was like, oh, right, we're in present day. Edgar Wright is so good at making you feel like you're in a specific time period that I was even tricked from the (laughs) get-go. And you did, it's, I didn't even mention it has, it's probably my favorite soundtrack of the year. Also, yeah. the the Anna Taylor Joy and and uh, Thomas and McKenzie are brilliant. Yeah, there's brilliant, and it's it's not just you know that they mirror have to mirror each other, whatever. But in their individual roles, I felt these two characters merge and speak to one another, and I, it that was the idea of it. I didn't have to take these long leaps in this what is a sci-fi movie. So it, yeah, I. Just wow, yeah, I was blown seeing, away. Like the behind the scenes stuff has been so fun with the practical effects. It's just mm. great job by by Edgar. The, was there's really- that one scene where uh, she goes back in time and she starts dancing with the guy in the club, and the yeah. camera swirls around them and it turns, you know, from uh, Thomasine McKenzie into Anna Taylor Joy mm-hmm. back and forth. And the way the camera is like swirling around them and the dance and the music, it's it's just that's you yeah. know it's beautifully done, right. It was right. on my top 10 as well. And obviously I'm a huge fan of the film and I'm a huge fan of Edgar Wright. That's been proven many times over already. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really, I agree with you, Mark, as far as how good this script is. And I'm, I, I know it's, it's not necessarily backlash, but I know there's detractors on it based on just certain things it's trying to do where I think it just really, it comes together really well. Like, I, I don't yeah. think it's, I, it's, it has like, certain ideas that are you know worth exploring and it's a little messy because the nature of what's happening is messy mm-hmm. but i i don't think it's hard a hard movie to track as far as like what you're getting and what it you know sets up and what it delivers on and i really right. appreciated that from a director who has made films that have dealt with you know adult males or males that are coming into being more of an adult over the years and here you have his first film that's dealing with female protagonists um and he has a, a female co-writer to help along with this and it tells a very mature story. Like it happens mm-hmm. to be very stylish and ambitious in the way that Wright's films generally are, because he's very creative with his, you know, use of camera angles and editing choices and visual effects. But at the center of this thing does have a, you know, a story that has a lot, has a lot of tragedy in it, uh, but has some interesting ways to play with, again, what's being seen in the culture to some degrees right now, as well as just, you know, how to, recognize the kind of the disparity between loving the past for certain reasons and coming to fear it for other reasons. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a lot going on here. That's why when I first saw this movie, I needed a second uh, viewing immediately. And and uh, there's a few films on this list. Like, you, you know, a, a lot of these lists can, can, the top three can be kind of shifted around or whatever. But this is one that I actually got to see multiple times and I got different things out of it every time. And, and, and you know. I also thinking more. about uh, Thomas McKenzie, good year for her last year. She she was in quite oh, a lot of things. Power of the dog too. Power of yeah. the dog, old. Yeah, yeah old. Every the, the people can't stop talking about old. Yeah, Mar- I'm sure that's probably Mark's number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> that should have been my number one. I have a pretty good idea what Mark's about to say, but Mark, what is your number one film of 2020? Number one film is West Side Story. Yep. All right. Oh wow. So. I walked into this film kind of with my arms folded, like, why do we need to remake this film? <laughs> Who is this Steven Spielberg? <laughs> yeah. And I, so I walked out thinking, did that just top the original? And I kind of wrestled with that idea. I'm here to say it does top the original. <laughs> and it is just spectacular. Um, I, oh gosh, I don't even know where to start. The, the, this is, I mean, you've taken, you've taken a great musical to begin with which has wonderful songs. I mean, America, um, you know, G Officer Krupke, uh, Somewhere, you know, these are great songs. Uh, and then you've married it with the, one of the greatest directors who ever lived. And he just takes this material and does one of the most cinematic versions of a musical I've ever seen. And, you know, it's, it's filled with great performances, you know, Ariana DeBose, uh, Mike mm-hmm. Feist. I think Rachel Zegler is great. I, I don't know how people feel about her, but I think she's wonderful as Maria. And and, and the, the whole cast, actually, I think you know, is, is spectacular. And there's a part, like when I was watching, I guess it, it really comes down to the musical numbers. There was a part where I was watching America, which is great in the original as well. And, you know, the women are like twirling in their dresses and, and, and the way that the camera is zooming in and out and, and the, the moves, uh, the choreography is just spectacular. And I was just like overcome with emotion over a, mm-hmm. over a, a performance of, of dancing. I mean, not, not because of like something that was happening on the screen as far as like, you know, someone died or, or, or there was something horrible happened. Just the overcome with the emotion of just the joy of cinema and, and it's it's just one scene after another and it's so it's so well done and he really i mean he honors the original film i mean he has he has a a love for that so you can see that in the film but he sort of gently updates it in areas where i feel like it should be updated in in the most loving and wonderful way and it's just it's just great i don't know really what to say when something is so great you just you're sort of overcome with the emotion it's hard to put it into words but it just made me feel good and you know you talk about um needing to see, we sort of touched on this earlier, needing to see films in a theater and that we usually talk about superhero films because of the special effects. This is a film that just bursts with color and dancing. And when you see it on a big screen, it just really you know, makes it come alive. Yes, it will be enjoyable at home on a TV screen, but if you can see it in a theater, it really, and it's sadly, I. I'm, it's you know did not make a lot of money in the theater but mm-hmm. if you do get to see it in the theater you will love it because it even more because it just it just really you know it it takes advantage of all the things that sound and and the big screen can offer when you watch a, a musical like this so yeah my number one i i didn't expect 
to feel that way when I walked in. And it's only grown in my estimation ever since I've seen it. Very well yeah, said. Beautifully put. I think the only two things is just the, the quote that you said there, which I strongly agree with, is the joy of cinema. Mm-hmm. That is a perfect encapsulation of what this movie is and why you should go see it in the theaters if they released it again or see it in the large possible home screen. Um, and then the other thing is like, it's such a movie that just feels so lived in as well. Like everything feels like, you know, that part of New York, you know what I mean? So great job. The the thing I'm taking away from Spielberg as of late, um, as far as like his post 2000s career is that Tony Kushner is his best collaborator oh, between, between this and Munich and Lincoln and now the upcoming Fablemans I, I can't wait for that film just because this collaboration seems to be fully realized as far as the quality of content that comes out of them um, and it's not like Spielberg doesn't have great collaborators he's worked with Michael Kahn as his editor since <laughs> Jaws or Close Encounters uh, you know he's, he's had Kaminsky since Saving Private Ryan which or since Sandal's list, and uh, I, I'm just very happy that this is one of his best efforts working with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but the way he's designed West Side Story to, yes, exactly fit in you know today's world, despite still being set in the 50s, um, just a tremendous accomplishment all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of my most anticipated films of last year, and it, abs- it, it absolutely did deliver. Mm-hmm. Abe. Yes. I've lost track, so I'm very curious. What's your number one film of 2021? Usually you're pretty good about figuring it out. Um, I, I feel like it's rare I figure out your number one. I, I usually slot other ones in, but it's, I feel like I'm glad I really that we matched our number top. three, which is, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one film of 2021 is Pixar's Luca. Oh. Um, this oh, is oh, wow. like in the year of 2021 where everything was just still very up in the air, kind of uh, unsure. Luca was, to me, a, a huge bright spot. And we talked about this in the main review, too. It's a very brief, quick film. It really gets where it needs to go. But I think there's just so much levity and lightheartedness about it. Like, these three main characters that you're surrounded with in this movie are very good friends. And they become fast friends. And I think the other thing about it is what Marcus and Mark were talking about. is like, yes, the it's pretty much open to whatever you want, might want it to be about. And I think that's like the, the best thing about it is the friendship that really um, like seals in all of the meanings that you could take away from it, whether that is, you know, home abuse or LGBTQ plus or um, whatever you might want to uh, take away from it. But the music from Dan Romer is tremendous. Like the score is just something that I, I love. I've seen this movie at least eight times now wow um, nice. it is a movie working that out is, that disney plus subscription right yeah <laughs> but it's his money's worth yeah and and like in, ter- in terms of like the the pixar pixarness of it sure it fits in some of the themes of pixar but aaron you said this in the review too and we, we all talked about it as a group uh, this certainly feels like it's what the director wanted to have done and that is something that i really appreciate about this movie is just that you know, it, it, it doesn't really fit in some of the confines that you might have seen in like with Onward um, uh, or any of like Inside Out or whatever else. Like It really much feels like an old throwback Pixar movie. And I really, really appreciate that. I, I love the art. I love the fan art that's been around. I love the conceptual art that Enrico Enrico um, has been putting on uh, his, uh, his own Instagram and Twitter. Um, like what Aaron mentioned, he put up the pasta recipe though you stay for the credits it tells the the finishing story of where you end off 
It gives like, you a, it little, is, a little bit of an epilogue. Yeah, it's it's a journey of a movie, and I was emotional uh, toward the end there for you know the friendship and like you know the giving up of certain things so that other people could have more. And it's just a, a wonderful movie. Like I loved the expansiveness that they took with it. Like, sure, it starts from the sea. It even goes up to the stars. It's just uh, an all around like uplifting, really good movie. A breeze to watch. Sometimes you can just leave it on the background as well. Like it is probably one of Pixar's best in the last, like, I don't know, five, six years, seven years. I was, um, I was a big fan of soul. That was on my top 10 last year. And it's, it's a great shame. I think that Disney has decided that they, you know, need to juice their Disney plus numbers and have relegated Pixar to these direct to video Mm -hmm. or direct to streaming Mm -hmm. releases, because these films I think would benefit so much from having a wide audience, watch them on a big screen. Not that they're not being watched. They're Pixar movies. They're being watched on Mm -hmm. on Disney plus, but you know, Pixar is so good with their animated, you know, efforts for good reason they've earned their you know their stripes plenty of times they've earned their oscars over and over again they've earned their reviews and whatnot and it's because of a certain level of quality that very much comes through on the big screen and you know having that kind of shared aspect of we all got to see like a piece of imagination uh just come to life in brilliant ways it's it's a it's it's really unfortunate that movies like luca um you know are not being seen right now. And even now like turning red just was just announced that it's going right. to be on, you know, on Disney plus as well. And it's like, Oh, right. it's, it, it, you know, my heart breaks for the Pixar team that right. I know work years to make these films and Luca, what a great summertime smash that would have been just to like relaxingly go to the theater and watch this movie. Right. Yeah. Well, at least Bronco Henry got to see it. <laughs> Uh, so Aaron what is your number one movie of 2021 I'm curious if I guess mine but uh, my number one film is the documentary Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised um, oh, nice. Nice. Quest Love's documentary which debuted at Sundance last year uh, just hit me in the best of ways as far as the kinds of feelings I was getting out of this thing um, the sense of surprise I got from learning about this this concert uh, this series of concerts, like six weeks worth of concerts that took place in 69 uh, that was entirely filmed and then just stowed away uh, as if like history was suddenly being erased for seemingly no reason beyond, well, black, you know, people aren't going to want to watch some black concert movie. It's like, OK, I'm so glad but with that, some of the greatest artists yeah. who ever lived. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, The Fifth Dimension, Mahalia Jackson, uh, Gladys Knight, B- uh, In the Pips, BB King. I mean, it's so many people. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, this whole thing. I mean, for one thing, editing award needs to, I, I, I would, if there's one like Oscar nomination, I'd be super happy to see it be an editing nomination for this movie. Like the fact that he was able to bring all of this together and put it together in a way that's not just like a clever concert film, but one where each segment of the concert like ties into various things going on with black Mm. society during the, during like the 1960s. And I thought that's such a clever way to put this together along with having like one of the better uses of talking heads I've seen in a while for a documentary by having people that were either in the, you know, part of the concert, like the fifth dimension, for example, or having concert goers watch the footage of themselves basically at this concert and then reflect on that. I mean, it's such a it's such a wonderful effort 
that feels like a historical document that happens to be wildly entertaining as well as just like something that's important for people to see if they want to both like experience what life was like to some degree at this time as well as just be entertained by it mm-hmm. like there be you know their musical numbers are wonderful to watch stevie wonder opens this movie with like a phenomenal solo where he's just like jamming out in front of a live audience in the rain no less mm-hmm. and then you have moments like people talking about the moon landing and specifically right. specifically black people talking about the moon landing where they're like i don't care about that i'm right. more concerned of my community that doesn't get nearly enough funding but hey at least we can do something like this where we're all together there's just like so many interesting like ideas going around there's so much uh <laughs> there's there's such a, a great atmosphere being presented like you want to be at this concert even with all the things that have happened to black society in those years at least they have something like this and you're like i want to be there too it's such a it's such a great accomplishment there's a there's a bit at the towards the end of this at the end of this movie it's one of my favorite movie moments of the year where you have one uh concert goer who's been watching the you know he's been watching the footage and he was a little boy when this movie came, when this, when this oh, concert wow. happened. And he, he, he says to Questlove, I, you know, I'm not crazy. And he's so relieved to be like, I, you know, I, I, this thing happened and there was like no record of it, but you've showed, basically he's saying, you showed me this thing that I thought I just made up in my mind because I have nothing to go. And you showed me this and that's proven that I'm not crazy, that there was this event where all these people came together of a wide, you know, of, obviously it's in Harlem, it's a huge black population, but, you know, it brought a lot of people together and it just, it made, it made something special. And the best thing Questlove does is he's able to make this movie, make this concert feel special to the people that are seeing it. It's a, it's such a wonderful mm-hmm. documentary. I've seen it. Well, I don't usually watch documentaries many times over. I've seen this movie three times. Wow. I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. Like it's such a great, great compelling story that yeah and it lends itself to that because it's musical performances which you know it it, it's like listening to an album or something you can listen to Mm -hmm. it over and over and it's it's still enjoyable one one thing i i I totally agree with everything you said i i put it at my number eight so i i also loved it Mm -hmm. and i think there's just so many little vignettes the in between the the concert footage there's one thing that shows how much things have changed New York City Mayor John Lindsay, who's a white Republican, uh, mm-hmm. takes the stage. He's warmly embraced <laughs> by, by the crowd, uh-huh. and he, he he's giving a mutual support of the community on that. So I just thought, wow, like, <laughs> things have changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great pick. Yeah. Great pick. Great, great picks, all of us. I'm very happy with all of us. I'd love to, to hear everybody's list again, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Let's go down the line. Mark, Marcus, just uh, list your num- your 10 through 1. My 10 through 1? Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, number 10, Don't Look Up. Uh, number 9, Coda. Number 8, Spencer. 7 is Dune. 6 is Titan. Uh, 5 is Shiva Baby. 4, Gunda. Uh, 3, Luca. 2, West Side Story. And 1, Last Night in Soho. Mark? Uh, 10, The Mitchells versus the Machines. 9, The Green Knight. 8, Summer of Soul. 7, The Power of the Dog. 6, King Richard. 5, The Father. 4, Nightmare Alley. 3, Licorice Pizza. 2, Coda. And number 1, West Side Story. Uh, 10, Mitchells versus the Machines. 9, West Side Story. 8, The Last Duel. 7, The French Dispatch. 6, Spencer. Five Power of the Dog, 
four, Judas and the Black Messiah, three, the Green Knight, two, Dune, and one, Luca. My number 10 is The Power of the Dog, nine, The Last Night in Soho, eight, In the Heights, seven, Licorice Pizza, six, A Hero, five, Dune, four, The Mitchells versus the Machines, three, The Green Knight, two, Judas and the Black Messiah, and one, Summer of Soul. Great. Wow. Yeah. Great picks all around. So we've done it. We've gone we through our it. top 10 films of the year. Yes. Um, let's uh, let, well, first up, let's let's throw in some runner ups here. Uh, yes. let, <laughs> I, I know I have an 11 through 20, but uh, how about you guys? Uh, uh, Marcus, what were your, what were your runner ups for the year? Um, okay. Let, let's see. I actually wrote those down. Like I have this in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I do. I, 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 so I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. So, so I'm going to, I got uh, licorice pizza, green Knight. In the Heights, Judas and Black Messiah, Come On, Come On, Mitchells and the Machines, Encanto, Annette, which I can't stop thinking about, uh, <laughs> Benedita, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, hey. Fireplace 2, yeah, yeah, Candyman, Summer of Soul, uh, Violet, and The Eternals. Very nice. nice. Yeah. Top 25. I guess that's a that's Love it. Yeah. Mark, how about you? you have any runner ups? Yeah, so this is my 11 through 20. Encanto, Luca, Dream Horse, Eternals, Belfast, A Quiet Place Part 2, Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, Lamb, Last Night in Soho, In the Heights. If, if, if uh, we've been hearing various clips of our top tens, I know Barb and Star, Vista Del Mar has come up quite a bit. I didn't realize we're all so pro Eternals on this podcast, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it took some chances. Did it all pan out? Not really, but hey, it took those chances. You know, I put Eternals there because I feel like it did something different. I, mm-hmm. I, loved, I agree with you. Yeah, I loved Shang-Chi. You know, I actually, I enjoyed uh, Black Widow and uh, what was the other one that, um, oh, and Spider-Man, obviously. Uh, I I, I am the biggest hit of forever. (laughs) Yeah. What was that movie called again? (laughs) Spider-Man? I I enjoyed all of those, but I just thought Eternals did something a little bit different and and I I really appreciated that. Fair enough. Indeed. Abe, uh, some of the runner-ups that I had there and then some of the ones that were notable, this is all in no particular order. Uh, the documentary Val, um, The Suicide oh, Squad, yeah. Don't Look Up, Candyman, Halloween Kills, House of Gucci, King Richard, Last Night in Soho, Licorice Pizza, Malignant, uh, No Set and Move, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, No Way Home, Macbeth, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, and the, a special Zag, because this is not a movie, but Bob Burns inside. It actually didn't qualify for like a, it's not like it's it's not an hour and a half, but again, it's more of a mark of as earmarked as a TV special. But I thought that was a, a masterpiece. I flirted with that in my my top fifty because yeah. I I mean I got it's a movie like I got yeah. it as a movie <laughs> like it's but it, yeah it's very good for sure certainly worth recommending. Yeah. Uh, my twenty through eleven uh, twenty going down uh, the French Dispatch Pig No Sudden Move Tragedy of Macbeth. Godzilla versus Kong, Shiva Baby, Bad Trip, The Harder They Fall, Covados Ida, mm. and West Side Story. You know, I, I like that you put Bad Trip. I have not heard that film mentioned much in any kind of list. And I thought I enjoyed it. Bad so. Trip should be mentioned more because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I love uh, Tiffany Haddish. She commits to the role. I mean, every, I, everybody did. Yeah, it's no. a... That's a movie built on the fact that they all committed to craziness. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, well, as we we've gone through, you know, a lot of films here, and we're gonna get to some fun categories here to kind of get like narrow down some more thoughts. But I, I just want to ask, uh, do you guys have like some overall thoughts on the year? Any just like in general, like any any thoughts on how things yeah. went? Where was it a good year for movies for you? I think that uh, the the year being starting off how it started off and, and continuing from last year, um, I was kind of going, you know, what is this going to be another one where I'm, I'm, I'm scrambling to find movies or I'm going to be, okay, whatever, you know, but there was a lot of movies this year. I, that I was kind of shocked at how many movies there were this year. And then not to say, you know, there's always a fair amount of indie movies. And, and I knew that there was going to be movies that are uh, pushed to this year, but the quality of movie was fantastic. It, it, I mean, I wish I could have uh, I, I wish I would have made a top 25 list because my top 25 was just packed with, mm-hmm. with, with great stuff. So, yeah, looking back on the, on the, in doing research for this uh, show and then looking back at the movies that we did watch, I guess I was kind of surprised because I think I remember things in bits and pieces because of the pandemic and going to theaters and movie screening selectively. But it's it was a pretty solid year for film when I looked back on everything that I did watch and everything that also came out this year. I never have a, t- a hard time picking, you know, obviously 10 films that I loved out of the year. So uh, I, I think every year always has its, you know, good stuff. Um, I think the thing that, I mean, 2021 will probably be remembered sort of the fact that theaters reopened, you know, and so it gave us the opportunity to, to actually see movies in a theater again. So, I mean, that was nice and um i i do another thing another trend movies got longer uh, i mm. i know that it, it used to be that movies were two hours and now i feel like that trend is two and a half hours i mean uh you know dune house of gucci drive my car no time to die and then the grand you know Zack snyder's justice league <laughs> these are long movies you know and th- there's many others and in you know some cases i really i mean it, it wasn't a problem because I, I loved west side story i loved nightmare alley um so those were long movies uh and it doesn't matter if if, it, if the movie's good but but there are times where i feel like there's there's something to be said for economic storytelling so i i do think that there is you know something to be said to, to a little bit of editing sometimes will help some of these films yeah i, I also agree that space jam would have been better if it was zero minutes <laughs> we're gonna get to some of the worst movies of the year <laughs> i am i I, I agree with you, Mark, as far as, yeah, it's I, it's generally easy for me to pick out movies that I, you know, have on a top 10 list. Um, I, if anything, I'd almost argue this was one of the easier lists to put together as far. And I think so. Yeah. It, it partially helps because I've been doing this more in recent years. I've been like tracking the movies all year long as far as I keep rearranging things on my phone. <laughs> so like I always <laughs> have a running list of like what I like the most and I don't have to like think about it too hard. But even regardless, I just, yeah even then like still having a list i'm still like sliding stuff around constantly but like this year it felt like sometimes i get hung up on my six through ten I'm like what's gonna go this year i was just like hey, what's number 10 and i'm like sitting there with like west side story and power of the dog and the heart the harder they fall honestly was like sitting there too because it's like it's so fun <laughs> and it's like what is, what's gonna be here uh but overall no i like there's so many movies that i really enjoyed and as i usually do because i feel like there's plenty of good stuff that comes out on a yearly basis you just gotta sometimes you just gotta find it mm-hmm. um but it, it did like there was a benefit from yes, getting to see a lot of movies in theaters. Some movies I didn't get to see in theaters. Judas and the Black Messiah, for example, I did not get to see in a the theater. Uh, but I mean, there's 
there's just so there's so many like ways to see stuff lately where it's nice to have like a variety of films in my top 10 like that's what i look at and it's not sure. like i i don't necessarily try to do that it's not like i'm like i need an international film i need a you know a, a, a documentary i need this i need that it's just more of it's just how it's stacked up but it's cool that i was able to for me that i was able to just see a variety of films as i have and find my way to forming a top 10 that sure seems to you know have a lot of you know very eclectic i guess the best way to say yeah i dig i dig when people do that as well though where they do choose oh what's my my favorite foreign movie of the year and then kind of place it in the top 10 but yeah or beyond that you know my favorite technical aspect movie or whatever else but yeah it's uh good good choices uh before i i skip past this too far i do want to we did have some listener feedback in, in yes. this realm of things and i i i asked what what are your favorite films of the year and chris was able to write in with uh a few things here. He wrote Saint Maud, Come True, PG, Colin Psycho Gorman, Dune, The Mitchells versus the Machines, uh, Dune again, uh, The Trip, Shiva Baby, The Green Knight, Another Round, Jacob's Wife, Oh, and Dune. <laughs> I think Chris is a fan of Dune. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, that's going to lead us into the next question, actually. And I have another feedback question to answer this one. Uh, so wait, I want to go over some of our uh, favorite performances of the year. And I'll just highlight Chris's answer right again. He, he heard something there. He wrote, uh, I know it's been said, but the bagpipes in Dune gave me shivers of the, the cinema. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a performance, but okay. Um, also, Somebody had to uh, play them. Also, Mort, Mortred Clark in St. Maud. Finally, mm-hmm. Mr. Nicholas Cage cooking a meal for his enemy in Pig and making him cry. So wow. Those are some of Chris's favorite performances. But how about you guys? Marcus, any any favorite performances that you want to you know, um, highlight? I, I- I liked uh, Ariana DeBose in in West Side Story. Um, there's there's three that I want to really point out that I didn't make my top ten list, uh, uh, but I really loved the performances. Denzel in Tragedy of Macbeth. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, is just brilliant. Um, also, William De- Willem Dafoe in Nightmare Alley. Also, Richard Jenkins in Nightmare Alley. Yeah. I thought was very. He was giving me very like. John Houston Chinatown stuff. Oh, I can and see that. Yeah. That's Alive. A good, that's a good I was pull. I was yeah. loving it. So yeah, yeah there we go. I think Strathairn is great in there too. I'm a big fan of Strathairn. Right. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. thought he was really good. Hashtag but, um, don't do the spook game. Yeah. <laughs> the my favorite performances I kind of already talked about, but I will just uh, King Richard with Anjanu Ellis and Will Smith. I thought the pair of them, and then West Side Story. Uh, I, I like the entire cast, but Rachel Zegler, Mike Feist, and Ariana DeBose, I think, are worthy of praise uh, of the most. And then one movie we haven't even mentioned yet. I saw it recently, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a quartet of four performances, uh, Mass. Uh, mm-hmm. it, oh, yes. Uh, okay. it, it, it's, it's, it's just a very stagey kind of production but uh, it's about grief and about a school shooting and the, the two parents, uh, two that were the parents of the child that was killed and then the parents of the child that did the killing. And really uh, an interesting uh, little uh, theater piece that I, I thought was really uh, well done. Yeah, That's a good way to describe it because I have, I feel like we have similar thoughts where it's like, yeah, the acting is really great. It was the, right. movie, the movie itself, it's like, yeah, all right, it does a job, but the, the acting in particular is right. obviously the highlight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the I, I feel like, I mean, they're all good. I, I do feel like Anne Dowd is really 
good and everything she was in a movie a while several years ago and i didn't even like the movie because it made me so uncomfortable but it was called compliance yeah and and, yeah and it it, she also was she was good in it and it's just she just has this ability to play these like sort of sad sack characters that you really want to just give her a hug you know and and that's sort of how she comes across in mass um and hereditary what's that Hereditary. Hereditary. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, Mark, Martha Plimpton, Jason, Jason, Jason Isaac. Jason Isaacs, and, uh, I loved him in this, yeah. Yeah, Chris, and Reed Chris Burney, Reed? I mean. Reed Burney, yeah. yeah, yeah. Reed Burney, yeah. All four of them I thought were really good. Anyway, um, we didn't there, talk about Mass at all, so I just wanted to give sure. a shout out. That's a good shout out. Yeah. There's some I want to highlight. Just yes, please. I haven't had a chance to as far as top 10 goes, but as far as these movies, which I really like. Um, uh, uh Hitotoshi Nishijima in the lead of Drive My Car. Mm-hmm. I think he's excellent in that movie, uh, as I do think of uh, Amir Jadidi in A Hero. I think they're both two very compelling leads um, that are, are dealing with a lot. And those are names that I'd, I'd love to see pop up more in award season. But hey, <laughs> they are not in mainstream movies uh, coming out of Hollywood. So yeah. good luck. <laughs> That's, but yeah. They're certainly worth mentioning. Um, uh, similarly, uh, Pen- I mean, I don't know, but Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers is, I mean, she's working with Almodovar and she's very good uh, once again. Um, the worst person in the world, um, Renate Rainsby, mm-hmm. um, a very good lead in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already mentioned uh, Jeffrey Wright in French Dispatch, but yeah. uh, another supporting performance from a movie we talked about. Uh, John Bernthal in King Richard, I think absolutely deserves a lot yeah. of credit as yeah. well. As, yeah, as the, uh, uh, the coach. Yes, largely because of how against type he's playing his character, or he's playing a role. Like, we like John Bernthal, I think, for being generally a tough guy. And here right. he plays like the most exasperated nice guy. <laughs> like, it's such a, I'm so, I was so compelled by his report. I was so like, like, I like him in general. I've, you know, I've seen him in plenty of things, but yeah, I like seeing this side of him where he's, you know, perpetually nice despite all of the things going in his way because Richard won't like let up in the, his own quest. Right. It's certainly, you know, worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, just a, uh, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to mention, uh, Marcus, I think you saw this movie recently, too. A movie called Test Pattern. Um, yeah. Featuring, uh, there's an actress named Brittany S. Hall, who I think is very good in that film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, let's see. There's a, there's an actress in the movie Blue Bayou uh, named uh, Lynn Dan Pham, who plays mm-hmm. a supporting character in that film. Um, in a film that I think is generally well acted and well mm-hmm. shot. I think it has some other issues, but I do think the acting is really good in it. But that's a, it's a really interesting side plot of that story that, I think really uh, shines based off both her performance and Justin Chone, who also directed. Right. Um, two more, and then I'll let you go. No, please, yeah, hit it. Hit it. I, I think Olga Meredith in In the Heights is wonderful. Um, I, mm-hmm. the, you know, she has the big, uh, one of the biggest song numbers in that film that is uh, incredibly emotional and just the kind of warmth that she brings to that character, I think is uh, just really strong. And the ensemble of passing. Uh, I think it's pretty mm. terrific. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I, good I shout out. That, that's a that's a great set of performances from Ruth Nega and Tessa Thompson and Andre Holland, uh, among the others that are in that film. And I just yeah, that's that's a lot a lot of good acting going on in, in all of these movies. Yeah, looking at all the titles and thinking about all the the people that were in the movies, um, I, I'm gonna shout out a few of them that we've already done just to give them additional praise. Dev Patel, Jeffrey Wright, uh, Ariana DeBose. Uh, Del Toro for uh, No Sudden Move, uh, as well as Cheadle. Cheadle, too, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix in Come On, Come On, and Bradley Cooper in Licorice Pizza. And last but not least, um, Blonde Ben Affleck in the, in the Last Duel. 
he, which I think he's turning in one of his best performances. He's he's great. Time. He's yeah. great. He's yeah. great there. He's he's good in that Tender Bar movie also. But yeah, Tender Bar. The Tender Bar. Yeah. Yeah. Last duel. Yeah. He's he's hilarious. <laughs> he right. Yeah. Also menacing, but hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on. Let's get to um, let's get to what we thought are the funniest scenes of the year. Yeah. I only wrote one thing down. It was Bradley Cooper coming back for the gas can and licorice pizza. <laughs> it's my that happens. I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but it's hilarious. But I'm also very frightened right now. <laughs> Move over. <laughs> so, I, 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 my first thought that popped into my head was uh, the Furby scene from. I wrote that down too. I wrote <laughs> that's one of the for sure. It's brilliant. It um, is. But the one that makes really... me stronger. <laughs> Wait, which scene? The the Furby the, scene. The, the large Furby, Furby the giant Furby scene. <laughs> in the Mitchells versus the Machines. Oh, oh right. Machines. Okay. Yeah, that was a great and, scene. Um, but. Um, the scene that I think I'll, I'll 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 put out there is the talent agent scene from Licorice Pizza. I I really <laughs> it really okay. I don't even Say remember yes half of this. Yeah, I really don't remember a lot. A majority. Of the, I was just looking at her face and the close up and her. She's just doing a lot of things with her eyes. Mm -hmm. And I think she said, "You remind me of a bulldog," or at some point or something. <laughs> and I'm just I loved it. I I was yeah. loving it. That was my favorite part of the movie. It was one of the funniest things I've seen all year. So, um, There's a number of moments in Bad Trip, which I already mentioned earlier, that made me laugh <laughs> a lot. But like, right, it sets me up right away um, with like, there's a bit at the beginning that's ridiculous as like a gas station attendant. But like, there's this whole thing where he basically, like Eric Andre basically like, he gets good news and then performs a musical in public and, <laughs> and it's like very elaborate because like other because it becomes basically like a flash mob with like varying props and stuff exploding in a mall with like and just it's the combination of the fact that it's in public the fact that it's very funny what he's singing and then just the reaction shots they get from the random people that are just like observing this nonsense that's taking place in front of them. It just like I could I needed to it was one of those I need to pause this right now because I'm laughing too much <laughs> and the movie's gonna keep going and I have to stop laughing. Like and then there's proceeds to be more funny things throughout the film that made me laugh also. But just like that that musical number set me up in such a great way to be like, oh okay, this is the ride I'm about to go on. <laughs> it's just it's just really funny. Awesome. Hey, you? You so I only wrote oh, Mark, I only wrote down one performance mm -hmm. for funniest scene. It was Jamie Dornan singing Edgar, <laughs> Edgar's Prayer in Barb and Star. Uh -huh. I have revisited this little performance like so many times on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me laugh. And I think part of it is because he is this sort of like, you know, good looking leading man, right. but he is so ridiculous prancing about in the sand. Like he does this part where he like is, does like a pirouette and he like drills into the, into the <laughs> sand. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, but it, and it's it sounds like he's singing this like you know great you know ballad like something like by Creed or something like you know with all this bombast <laughs> and everything. I mean, it's just it's just hilarious. It's, and I, I, it's his that? it's his best musical scene this year. Yeah, oh, and, wow. of the two. Yeah, damn. <laughs> and I I keep seeing seeing you know Jamie Dornan you know is, is possibly going to get nominated for uh, Belfast, Belfast, and he's he's fine in that. 
but he, he, I would give it to him for, you know, I mean, I wouldn't give him the award, but I would, I would nominate him for Barb and Star, Star before I would nominate him for Belfast. I, it just it, seems yeah. like more of a challenge. Exactly. Like, as an yeah. actor, like to be, to be that. You could person. be a soft, hard, uh, soft, quiet dad or <laughs> like loud, weird, like friend. I'm climbing up a palm tree like a cat climbing up a palm tree. Like <laughs> the, the lyrics are just so stupid. Yeah, the color palette in that scene is also very like, wow, this is really bright. There's a there's a good argument for a production design award for Barb and Star. Barb and Star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good mo- good movie poster too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, did you name any? I'm sorry. I did. Yeah, yeah. I I, I named uh, uh, the Bradley Cooper scene. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on. Let's get to our, our favorite musical numbers. We had a lot of musicals this year, a surprising amount of musicals this year. Yeah. And so I figured we should all name what our f- favorite musical number from a movie this year was. So, Marcus, which Dear Evan Hansen musical number are you going to pick? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so, the Evan Hansen movie. No. I'm just- <laughs> um, no. So, I, I will go back to uh, the, there was a lot of uh, better musicals that I thought. Uh, than this, but I will go back to the the Pacentia Fe musical number that hmm. uh, I mentioned in the in the Heights mm-hmm. uh, when I was on the In the Heights uh, episode. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think I I think that is a song and a sequence that just it elevates it elevates everything in that movie. Um, and, and and you know how much I, I really uh, adored her. Uh, you, I think you had mentioned uh, the actress um, as Olga Meredith, uh, yeah. one of your favorite performances. But it just really elevates it. But I just wanted to give a little tiny shout out to uh, the Officer Crumpy song from mm-hmm. West Side Story. It has continuously been my least favorite song uh, in <laughs> the uh, in the <laughs> in the original. I, I like uh, uh, you know Larry David's version better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this this how spielberg put this inside and and the choreography and it's it's brilliant it is absolutely brilliant i i was like what is this the, the i you know so mm-hmm. i i have to give a little shout out to that one but it's it's positive faith from uh in the heights that's really nice. my number one mark how about you yeah it would be america from west side story i just thought mm-hmm. that was Beautifully put together, the the colors, the dancing, the music, the song. I mean, the song is a great song, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he complements it with a great musical number. And it, it sort of highlights how great Ariana DeBose, I hope she gets a nomination. I assume she will be. Seems like it's a lock at this point. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, from West Side Story, I... Yes, I agree with you about America. I, I really liked how they did cool in this movie mm-hmm. because I, I like how much how much narrative importance they assigned to it compared to the original musical. Like I, I like that it's in the hands of of Tony now and he's fighting with Riff about the gun. Like mm-hmm. I, I really like that interpretation as well as like the dance fighting that's taking place in that sequence. And it's such a unique location for them to do it. It's kind of like by the ocean and the way they're wrestling around in this broad daylight arena. Like I, I just thought it was a it was a very cool way to do cool. <laughs> like I, a, lot, a lot of holes uh, in the pier. Seems very unsafe. For sure. Similarly, speaking of like water, uh, ninety six thousand. I do think comes together. Oh yeah, yeah. And in the mm-hmm. heights, that's a close uh, second for me. Yeah, that's a good one. And good. I, I can't, I can't not mention. Um, speaking of Annette, Marcus. Uh, so yeah. may we start right at the beginning. So may we start. That, that would be my third one. That's it's brilliant. It's a it's mm-hmm. a really clever like one take shot that like gets mm-hmm. you into the absurdity of 
the way Leo cracks makes a, uh, makes a movie. Um, yeah. And it's just also a nice, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a banger. It's a nice song. It's a banger. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Abe, how about you? Uh, just uh, America in the Heights, or I'm sorry, America West Side Story uh, for everything that had to do um, and everything we've talked about for the, for the movie itself. So it was a movie that, or it's a musical number that has been on my mind. And Mark, I'm, I'm sure both of us uh, continue to appreciate we need to talk about Bruno as a song. I mean, that just oh yeah, keeps playing. that's a good song. I don't. It's a good I, song. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I guess they have their reasons, but I don't know why they decided to uh, submit a song I can't even remember offhand because it's yeah. not a good choice compared to we need to talk about Bruno. <laughs> like, that's that's the song that got me into the movie because it's about the third song in, and then after that, I was like, oh, I actually really dig these other songs, including the the song afterward, which is the two sisters singing. And it, you know, it just makes me think of a friend of the show, Ken, uh, tall Ken, because, you know, seven foot frame rats on his back. It's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> green eyes. Yeah. Green eyes. <laughs> Voiced by John Logazama. Tall Ken. Yeah. But no, that's, that's just a good, it is, Mark, I completely agree with you. I have no idea why Disney was like, this is the one that's going to hit, but it's like, this song right here is amazing but yeah. whatever <laughs> I, I i get that they only submitted one because they want everyone to focus on this one song but why they chose that one and what not, song was it i can't even... it's 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 one near the end i think it's like the one oh. um like, the one not even like the... oh it's let it's what is it not the one in spanish it starts with an o like oh, it's okay. los it's los oh it, it is in spanish oh it is the one oh, in spanish. 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 okay yeah yeah, Those I mean, it's a moving part of the movie, but the one that really got me was the Bruno. So. Yeah. That's surprising yeah. that they choose one. Like Disney always uses like a bunch of their songs. And like, yeah. like remember that one year when it's like Enchanted had three songs nominated, but once one <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why, because they don't want that to happen again. But still, they chose the wrong fucking song. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to uh, what what was your be any most surprising films of the year? Um, I'm about it. it's I, I, but oh. it's basically just the Green Knight because I've thought about it a lot ever since. So you're surprised, like how much you were affected? Yeah, by it. yeah. I'd say the same about Dune. Honestly, there like I go. was, I yeah. was expecting good sci-fi movie from director I like, and I was like, oh, this is a great sci-fi movie. From director I like. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Nightmare Alley. I, I did not expect to walk out of that film thinking this is going to be in my top five of the year, and I, I was just blown away by that film. I love. That's it. a great feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll I'll name a movie that wasn't in my top ten, but I was surprised to, uh, how much I loved. No, I'm just kidding. Um, how much <laughs> I uh, I I enjoyed A Quiet Place Part Two. I oh. as somebody like super lukewarm on the first one, just and like Abe was, and I. <laughs> yeah, I was I was not really looking forward to it. I was kind of blown away. I was wow. This you know was, what else was blown away? A lot of alien bases. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in my top 20, that's the only one that's like, I would say a bonafide smack. Oh, actually, no, Eternals was also, I have Eternals there as well. But but then also A Quiet Place Part 2 was like a bonafide smash, you know, big box office mm-hmm. hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked uh, Part 2 more than Part 1. I was very impressed with uh, how it all came together. Um, and also throw Shang-Chi in there as far as like, because I, yeah. I thought the trailers are very bland. For Shane, it just looked like another another Marvel movie, but uh, it turned out to be like a really good Marvel movie for as far as Tony like, Long. Yeah, to- Tony oh. Long. Hell, that little Tony Long goes a long freaking, way. Freaking yeah, freaking movie. made that movie. <laughs> that that fight scene on the bus that that deserves a mention. Yeah, for sure. It's a. I should have had favorite action scene of the year actually to this list. <laughs> I can ask it now. Well, let's let's get to that yeah, next, uh, later. Let's, that would uh, be that would be mine because I I loved it. 
it's a good one for sure. Abe, did you have any surprise? You you mentioned Green Knight, I mentioned right? the Green Knight, yeah. yeah. Uh Tomorrow War, honestly, also. Oh. Like I was like, I really like that movie. Yeah. And I, I was surprised was by fun. how much I like that movie. Yeah. I think it's a good time. Uh, it, I think it could have been utter junk. And it's like, no, instead it's actually pretty clever. Right. <laughs> so. I think Chris Pratt has a lot to do with that too. I agree. I think he's in a good zone here compared to other other movies where he's been positioned as a leading man. I think mm-hmm. uh, passengers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of the like, and I don't even dislike the Jurassic movies, but like, who is he again? Like, uh, tough guy Chris Pratt as person. Yeah, what is his name? Everett <laughs> Cole. It's like Cole something Grady, I believe. Oh, okay. Owen. I think it's Owen, Owen? Grady. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a tough guy name. <laughs> Uh, how about most disappointing films of the year? What films were you disappointed by? I, I I wasn't sure if I was disappointed by anything. That's why I didn't write anything. Well, that's not that's not a bad place to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I will make a mention. I think I mentioned this before, but The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and not like I was looking forward like this grand third Conjuring, whatever. But I think the movie for me was so whatever that it made me focus on how boring the Warrens are. And I think I mentioned this before. They, If they remove these people from the movie, I would not... I, it would make the movies better. They're so boring. So Annabelle. Yes. Annabelle Creations. Yeah, the second right. one. Let me <laughs> just remove them already. I, they're so boring. They're mm. they're very, very boring couple. So mm-hmm. uh, rest in peace, I guess. But, you know, I... Uh, I <laughs> that was disappointing. I think I was... I wasn't anticipating much, but what I got was a nothing. Fair. Mark, did you have any disappointments? <laughs> well, I hesitate to say this because oh it's, I think it's appeared on all of your top 10 lists. I I found Dune to be very disappointing. Uh, it, oh. I, <laughs> I'm usually the one with the shocking stuff. <laughs> no, I just, I, I just found it very chilly and remote. I, I could not get into I didn't think anybody had a person I didn't think anybody had a personality I I couldn't get into it I mean it's over two and a half hours there were moments in the film that I did enjoy and in my review I, I did say like there are parts where I really you know the part where he puts his hand into the thing with um uh what's her name Charlotte Rampling. Charlotte Rampling. Yes. So that was that was a compelling scene and the part where the guy spits on the ground and he's like, excuse me. It's like, no, that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, I I liked all that. But most of the film, I was just like, this is so inert. Like there is just nothing. It's gorgeous. It's this beautiful facade. But there was just nothing. I I could not get into it. It's fair. Yeah, I I, will. We'll have you on for Dune part two. Oh, for sure. And, and, now. and, and I, will be watch, I will be watching it, you know. So that's, I mean, I will I give it can't, I, yeah, I have to hear the other part of the. Well, of, I hope and, the spitting and, pays off in the sequel. Well, that's, that's the other thing, too, is it is half a film. So that also worked against it. I, um, I wasn't necessarily expecting a new comedy classic, but I did expect more from coming to America. Oh. Like I was, I was hope, I was hoping there'd be more to get out of that instead of what I did get. Um, and it was a shame because I, I think Eddie Murphy uh, has a lot of talented people he works with and mm-hmm. they didn't come up with something better. Yeah. Um, it's not like I'm dedicated. I mean, despite having seen all of these movies and being very aware of the continuity, it's not like I expected spiral to be like a great saw film, uh-huh. but I was still disappointed in how tame it felt and how obvious it felt as far as its twists and not very inspired death traps that it had going for it. So I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a... and then jungle cruise, honestly, um, good two thirds. It was 
it, it good a good like half and yeah, then there's sure. there's a specific part where i think pretty much everybody that was lesser on the film which is a lot of people uh can agree is like this is where the movie went off the rails um, and, <laughs> maybe yeah, even literally I, pretty much because yeah. i think there was a good adventure movie potential there and that was akin to something like the mummy or you know any number of adventure river movies like african mm-hmm. queen or whatnot but instead it just drove like, the nile yeah, Rants of the Stone. Rants of the Stone. Not, not Jewel of the Nile. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it was like Jewel of the Nile because it wasn't that great. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, okay. I guess we're we're just not as clever as, as I thought this was going to be. And sure. it just kind of died. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, moving into it. Um, from one thing to another, what were your least favorite films of the year? I only wrote one thing down. It was uh-huh. Dear Evan Hansen. And I think that... <laughs> That's it, your least favorite? Yeah. And I, oh, I, I, talk, I talked about it. Like the, the main reason is because we talked about it in the review where I said it was an irresponsible approach to the solution of the movie. And I was like, you guys can't do this and then have like the national hotline as like the footnote of your credits. It's like, what you're talking about here is very dark and disturbing. And... Evan Hansen just completely makes like uh, it, it his life. And I was like, this is a weird message. I saw, I mentioned this to Aaron like a few months later. I watched uh, Ben Platt do this on the Colbert Report or The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I was like, oh, see, the, the feeling from the musical is much more fun and fancy free and, and funny and whimsical. And this one, it's like, it's a dark retelling of it. And I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but this is just an irresponsible message. It stinks, as Jay Sherman, the critic, once said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Marcus, okay, you want to lay out your... your, your uh... So it's a movie nobody saw, so I don't, you know, it's wasted, <laughs> I, I guess. But um, there was a Amazon Prime... No, not Amazon, but Paramount. I don't know what it was. Some, one of those. Um, it was called The Voyeurs. I don't know if anybody saw it, but it has... It had that's, Justice Smith. That's on and Prime, I, had I just, believe, yeah. I had just seen... Um, Sydney Sweeney on Euphoria. I'm a big fan. So it's like, okay, let's watch this. And every once in a while, there is the there are these kind of like rear window retellings of, you know, whatever. And 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 it makes for kind of like, you know, low-key entertainment. Uh, you know, they're not gonna be anywhere near, you know, Hitchcock or anything, but what am I expecting? And it's about uh this Marcus, couple, I'm, I'm, you know, did you see it? No, but I, I'm. I just pulled up the Wikipedia page, and and mm-hmm. like I just immediately like, no, it's mm-hmm. not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but but yeah, I was like, okay, no, no, no. I, I wasn't expecting anything fantastic, but where it goes, like, it, it, and it's kind of entertaining for like thirty minutes, but it's like two hours plus. Where it goes Ugh, is God. so <laughs> convoluted, and it's got it's it's like how many people were it's a, it's got a twist and then it's got a second twist. That, it says 116 minutes. So no, it, felt- it was like three. It was like three hours. Like, I, I don't <laughs> know what cut I saw, but okay, it was like so. This three and a half hours. hour movie you were watching. Yeah, this was the Zach. You watched the director's cut. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was it was bad. Like, um, and, and not that I wanted anything, but I was very frustrated that I spent time watching this movie, um, and I was more frustrated that you know I. I was like yelling at the screen and, and, and wasting my time with this. So yeah, I'll put that movie. Nobody's, nobody watched it. Nobody's going to watch it. 
Um, because you know, I watched it, it shows up on my little <laughs> little thing on on my Amazon uh, Fire Stick. Because you watch this, the time, how about these? Reminds it, right. yeah, exactly. It reminds well, it a bad me every review, day that I watch it. Yeah, like, one put, star put, it. Put a thumbs down so it won't suggest anything. Okay. Okay. There you go. Well, We've solved your problem, I, Marcus. I Thank you, we technology. Thank yeah. you. This so that, is a, this is why I mentioned it. So that you four know, and a half hour know. movie you didn't like. Got you it. Know, the, I think there's no, a whole no. genre of bad films that are inspired by Rear Window, and, and this, <laughs> yes, for sure. Sliver. Uh, this looks like Sliver. one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure but sometimes there there's like a little kind of b-movie entertainment right. factor this this is like <laughs> porn but not fun at all so like i, I just i i didn't i i didn't i and it's so it's a reverse gunda the, yes exactly uh-huh. it, the, the, the 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 ending is the one that i was very upset it's very much like uh uh a Dallas kind of like it was all a dream kind of junk, but it's not that. But okay. you know, I'm not ruining okay. it for anybody who's going to rush out and see this movie. But it's kind of that. Well, speaking yeah. of rear window knockouts, Mark, what was your least favorite movie of the year? <laughs> so my worst film of the year was Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, wow! Wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. What? Another four-hour uh, mark. I didn't even bother to write a review, and oh, I think. <laughs> But I will, I will encapsulate it. So, you know, 2017, uh, Zack Snyder had the Justice League, and that was a disorganized mess, but at least it was only two hours. This was sort of his attempt to turn that, you know, mess into something watchable by expanding it over to four hours, mm-hmm. and it, it well, he didn't succeed. And I sort of resist using words like calling something a slog because it's such a cliche, but this was a slog. I mean, and dour, it's just so... the the it's an ugly product. It's so synthesized and artificial. And it's, it's, this wasn't even about people. It's just this assemblage of computer graphics and it, it's about people trying to unite three cubes to take that want to take over the world or something. And it's, it's just, <laughs> I, I just, I watched it. I actually watched it over. I want to say I watched it over three nights because I, I just kept turning it It was a it real off. TV miniseries. Of yeah, you watched it in X. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I didn't. Yeah, that was a very entertaining review, Mark. I think you need to write that up. Just like even like, I'll just give you the transcript from this. And just I, use I, that in your I, I feel like early on the movie, you will know if you like this movie or not when you hmm. watch uh, the Icelandic woman serenade Aquaman as he goes back into the <laughs> as water. he litters on their beach. <laughs> I, I feel like if that's closed. Down. Yeah, I didn't. I... Uh, you know, I got the feeling that the internet liked it, and then I, I kept seeing praise for it, and I just couldn't summon up the energy to write this takedown of it. So I, I just, <laughs> completely I didn't fair. Yeah, completely I, you fair. know what I mean? Like I, I decided, you know, there, I, I don't feel like, I mean, I, I feel like people, there's either people who love it or probably hate it, I would assume, but what it's I well reviewed, I mean, it, it got, yeah, the feeling I got was that people really loved it and like, Oh, it's finally, you know, done a good job at making this film. And I just, I, I thought it would just, I mean, it was more coherent. I mean, it, 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 it has to be. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was more coherent and it made, it I, I, I understand, I understood more of it, but it just, it was just too much. What if uh, he had I, an eight hour cut that was even more coherent? No, see, I, 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 joking, joking aside, I think if there, you know, if there was an actual happy medium reached between Snyder and Warner brothers where the movie was, you know, two hours and change two and a half hours two hours 45 which it probably would have been if it wasn't a streaming exclusive sure i think there's a movie that is great in there as it stands i think it's good but yes because of the 
mm-hmm. opportunity to expand it as much as he wanted to because it was going to be an HBO Max exclusive. I do think it shoots itself in the foot by just indulging in every single aspect mm-hmm. that he'd ever want sure. to. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. And it, I will, I, it, it wasn't, uh, it didn't make my number one worst film, but I will agree with you, Aaron. Uh, I, I didn't care for, well, you said it was a disappointment. I thought coming to America was, was quite bad. I mean, I just thought it was basically just re doing the original film but now just from the point of view and then it actually betrayed the original character not that you have to like it's gospel but i mean eddie murphy is basically doing the same thing that he was against in the original film so it's like okay we're just gonna make him forget that he didn't he wasn't against be you know against an arranged marriage and now he's gonna do the same thing it's like this is stupid and then it didn't even play out in an interesting way so yeah yeah i i didn't care i thought it was more than just a disappointment i thought it was bad I, that, the only cra- the, the thing that I'm giving it is well, it's also one of my favorite soundtracks of the year. So it's like, well, I didn't like this, but I like the music you gave me. Uh, I was waiting for you to point out the woman in the window, which is absolutely one of the worst movies of the last year. <laughs> you know what? I, so that yeah, I did that. I didn't hate that as much. You know what? I, another movie I picked that was kind of like that in terms of like Netflix things was Things Heard and Seen. Did you see that? Which one's that? Things Heard. With Amanda Seyfried. Oh, okay. I remember. I remember it was that like existing. A, it was yeah. like a haunted house. Story. Oh, is that the case? That with Kevin Bacon? Is that that one? Or that's a different movie. There's no. another. No, hold on. I forget who else was in it. It Things was heard. Uh, James Norton. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. This one. There's a movie the year before that that had Kevin Bacon with Amanda Seyfried. It's also like a haunted house movie thing. Anyway, regardless. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But that was that was also uh, it again. It it didn't make my worst. But but I hated that more than the woman in the window. It was just like there was it was just a non-entity of a movie. And it's always a bad thing where you watch a whole film and then you have this ending that just sort of like doesn't do anything and and you, I, I don't know it's, it's always the it, it's always the thing that you're left with after you walk away from the film and that's always death and things hurt mm-hmm. and seen is a film that does not end well mm-hmm. well as much as i'd like to talk about how bad space jam a new legacy is because yeah, believe me i, I can easily do that because it's quite bad it, it's not the list uh, it's, it's it's just a really bad movie um but like <laughs> infinite with mark Wahlberg is garbage um the woman in the window is garbage the hitman's bodyguard's wife is a sequel to a movie i already didn't like and it made it worse um <laughs> they they made a movie called karen and it's really terrible <laughs> but honestly i mean it's red notice red notice, heard of that. <laughs> red notice is awful it is and it, but they it, did all that press aaron and it's it's made worse by the <laughs> fact that it cost the amount of money that it did 200 million dollars right. and it like looks like garbage and it feels lazy well, and it's just which one is nonsense. Red, Red Notice. Notice. Yeah. Netflix's oh, number one yeah. movie ever. Yeah. Red Spe- speaking of like <laughs> the laziness, it feels it like the sometimes top 10 they're forever. Yeah. It feels like sometimes they're just green screened and having like, uh, okay, I guess The Rock is talking to Ryan Reynolds right now. So the whole movie go. is a, like, again, that amount of money, you shouldn't be able to spot the green screen. Like, that's, it's just, <laughs> and just relying on, you know, those three to be like, let's just, be the people we are and maybe that's a movie oh my god and there's two more of these coming good there Lord. are yes yeah. oh it was a big god. it was a big hit it's on a that. huge hit so of course they're gonna make two back-to-back wow. sequels because there's more stories to tell in the world of red notice i apparently. can't wait for more of their twitter banter back and forth talking about how great the movie is oh my god it's just a nightmare movie anyway let's go from the bad <laughs> i, I want to point out one thing though yeah. This, yeah. You, you you ripped apart uh, the woman in the window you know it's directed by your man joe wright who did yeah. Sterno. 
yeah, who made Cyrano, which is and, and he's done some great films. Lots of yeah, we're yeah. big fans of Joe Wright on this podcast. It's a yeah. shame that he did uh, the Woman in the Window because it's terrible. <laughs> like, it's a movie that was delayed for two years. You're like, yep, that's why. Um, okay. <laughs> um, all right, but let's yeah, now let's go from the bad to some good. Uh, I wanted to give us a chance to shout out some underseen films uh, that you think people should uh, have more attention on, whether they're in your top ten or not. Are there any movies that were that you consider to be underseen by the population that you might be like, yeah, people should see this. Yes. I wrote down two of them, the green Knight, which we talked about and the documentary Val, which I also talked about. Mm -hmm. That's a good call out. I don't hear Val being talked about in like best documentary conversation. And I thought it was, it was interesting. It was an 84 documentary too. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite documentary of the year, but I, I I did think it was uh, interesting and, and, you know, a good film to check out. Mm Mm-hmm. Mark, did you have any? Uh... Oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say, I want to call out uh, Dream Horse. This is a film that didn't get a whole lot of uh, hype or anything. It stars Tony Collette, and it's one of these sort of, I want to compare it to things like Billy Elliot and things like that, mm-hmm. where it's a British sort of film, or maybe like Enchanted April or The Full Monty, about a, a group of people in a Welsh village that buy a racehorse, and they're kind of a ragtag, you know, poor town and they they buy a racehorse they don't know what they're doing and they enter the racehorse and they you know they learn about how to 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 do this kind of they hire the right people to help them out in order to do this and you know it's it's uplifting and yes it it kind of plays out in the way that you would expect but it's got tony colette she's doing you know she's a great actress she she can take a part that's nothing and make it into something like compelling and she does that here and and actually the whole cast is enjoyable and it's heartwarming and in all of that and it's it's in the same way that you know uh coda is that way and coda i think is it it goes to that next level Mm -hmm. but but uh dream horse definitely deserves mention um so i i would pick it as something to see and then one other thing uh not a whole lot of talk about here but has gotten some uh critical acclaim is lamb it's a uh was it New Zealand or no? I'm sorry, not no, Iceland. Iceland. Yeah, Iceland. Iceland. Sorry, Iceland film. Uh, and weird. And you know, it's one of those films that I think it, it can turn you off if if you're not into the vibe of the film because it's 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 trying to be weird. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it, and I, I thought it was kind of. I, I didn't really know too much about it when I saw it, so I didn't really know what to expect. And I I walked out of it thinking, oh yeah, that was kind of interesting. I, I like what the filmmaker was doing there. Mm-hmm. I'll just point out that Dream Horse is currently on Hulu and Canopy for people that want to stream that film. And um, Val is on Amazon. Uh, what, Green Knight and what was the other one you mentioned, Mark? Well, Lamb. Lamb. Those are both uh, digit, uh, on demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus, do you have anyone to throw out there? Um, I will say Annette. Um, it's one of those movies that I that I saw and I didn't really know what I was watching halfway through the movie. And I by the end, I kind of couldn't get it out of my mind for like a month um but uh that's on that's on prime video by the way just point that out yes yes i I think more people should see that more people should definitely see summer of soul obviously (laughs) which is on hulu Um, and uh violet um i uh, more people should see that uh, especially if they suffer from anxiety disorders um and olivia munn is great um it's a good performance for sure i agree for sure, yes, and, that's, and I uh, think that, it's I think it's very well filmed. Uh, Justin Bateman, I think it's very well filmed, very creative. That's uh, that's on demand currently. You can find that mm-hmm. at any streaming okay. site to rent. Um, I'll point out Old Henry with um, 
Tim Blake Nelson. It's a really solid Western that mm, okay. uh, plays of expectations based off of um, what you might know about certain history, which I was actually pretty intrigued by when I figured out what it was up to. But it's a, it's a solid Western regardless. And that's, um, I believe that's like streaming on demand. Uh, the Beta Test, big fan of Jim Cummings. Yeah, Jim Cummings. And uh, I, I really, really liked his movie. Um, it's a solid thriller with some comedic beats. That's on demand as well. Um, a hero was in my top 10 that's on amazon i mentioned test pattern that's on canopy i think mm-hmm. uh language time too it's on showtime okay uh language lessons it's a solid film with uh, mark duplis and natalie morales um she did cheetah rex they both wrote it together uh one of my one of the better screen movies that i've seen sometime oh nice um the the paper tigers it is on michael lee's top 10 list it's a solid martial arts comedy that mm-hmm. i really enjoy i think it's really entertaining it's on and, netflix uh, that is, yeah, it's on Netflix now. And uh, Werewolves Within, um, by default. Uh, <laughs> Werewolves maybe, Within. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the best video game wow. movie of all time at this point. Um, but it's just, uh, <laughs> and I did not know that going in because I didn't know that was a video game. But it's just a really solid ensemble character comedy with a uh, murder mystery and some horror elements at the right. center of it. But just a lot of funny people. Um, Do you consider a free guy a video game movie? No, it's a movie inspired by video games, just like Scott Pilgrim in a number of movies. Sure, but that's, it's not a specific video game. Like this is, a, I know what you're, I know what you're asking. I have, I've made that list: uh, best movies inspired by video games. <laughs> um, and free, yeah, Free Guy is certainly fun, but yeah, it's it's not a specifically a video game. So. Um, okay, so it's underseen films. Um, let's uh, let's get to uh, the last thing I asked here. Uh, what are the films that you're most looking forward to in this year? And I'll shoot to um, Chris again, real quick, on our feedback here. He he writes the Northman, most excited. X Studio Six Six Six. Nope. The Feast. Thor. Knives Out Two. Operation Fortune and Moonfall. As it looks batshit crazy. <laughs> Haven't seen what good indie stuff is being released. Well, yeah, that generally is the case for all these things. Uh, but how about you guys? What what films are you looking forward to this year, Marcus? Um. So I, Wakanda Forever. We're supposed to still come out this next year. We'll see. We'll see. filming right now. It's supposed to come out in November. The it's production's been delayed off. multiple times, including right, right. now. Yeah. So, uh, right. I, but that is. would that would that would be it. the uh, nope, of course. And I think a new art. All is tentative, but I think a new Ari Aster movie is coming out with Bucking Phoenix. I'm he, not I, sure. I, it's I believe it's like the disasters. It's like something. T- but yeah, yeah. There's he's 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 filmed it. I'm I wouldn't bet against it coming out this year but we'll see oh okay okay yeah those, those are my my picks i think the nope trailer is the most anticipated trailer i have just because i i want to see what that's right. going to be <laughs> right, right, right. And, then, and then with the title that comes up it says nope like i i, <laughs> I can't wait to see i can't wait to see what that's going to be like uh mark any uh anticipated films you're looking forward to here yes yeah, so uh right now it's being called untitled david o russell project my favorite title (laughs) (laughs) but it's got an ensemble cast i mean christian bale margot robbie john david washington rami malek zoe saldana mike myers timothy oliphant anna taylor joy matthias schoenarts taylor swift i mean i think de niro's in there as well somewhere de niro yeah andrea ricebro I mean, so I was one of the few people that actually put Joy in my top 10 the year that it came out. And that's the last film that David O. Russell has directed. So anything that he would direct, I would be excited about. But that cast just like ups the ante considerably. Then also um, Babylon, directed by Damien Chazelle with Brad Pitt and 
Margo, yeah. also with Arsenal with Margot Robbie, Toby Maguire. I'm very excited about that. And something called Don't Worry, Darling. It's directed by Olivia Wilde, mm-hmm. and it's starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles, of all people. Um, that also looks interesting. Hey, how about you? I wrote down two things. One of them I've talked about tremendously for a, amount of, uh, period, for a tremendous period of time. The Bob's Burgers movie. Really looking forward to that. Of course, yes. Why not? Uh, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, Scorsese's uh, new DiCaprio epic. Right. Talk about an ensemble <laughs> as well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've mentioned plenty already. I will note, I I look forward to Avatar too. Like I want to see James Cameron just deliver, and I'm 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 hoping that this is the day year it comes out. But regardless, I mean, James Cameron knows how to impress me as a director of cinema, and I you know I I I, I, I want to see what he's been working on for the past decade. I want to know what that's going to be. Aaron, you once mentioned whenever uh, James Cameron releases a film, it becomes the biggest film ever made, you mm-hmm. know, box office. So, yeah, the, the expectations are, are definitely there. They sh- and they should be, honestly. Like, he's when you prove yourself multiple times over, <laughs> like, it's hard for me to be like, <laughs> ah, he's probably not going to nail it this time. Like, why would I not think that? Like, even, even if it doesn't become the next biggest movie of all time. I just want to know, like, what technical innovation he's created for this latest right. movie that he comes out. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I wanted, I, I can't wait to see whatever this is. Um, outside of that, nope, obviously. Um, the Batman, mm-hmm. I mean, it's Batman, and Reeves is Matt Reeves is a great director, so why not? And uh, into uh, across the Spider Verse. Oh yes, yeah. Like, like it's just. Well, I, I kind of get them as like a, and of course already. Yeah. So, and I mean, there's plenty. Yeah, there's plenty. Like you mentioned, Ari Aster and. And yeah, Scorsese's got his thing. And there's plenty of stuff that, like, I don't know when it's happening, but it's coming soon. And yeah, I can't wait to see <laughs> what those things are going to be. Like, there's mm-hmm. plenty of stuff, as always. Uh, lots of lots of directors uh, that are uh, we're fans of on this podcast that are have movies coming out this year. Hey, so. Aaron, when's your movie coming out? When's what? When's your movie coming out? You know, we're we're set to go into production pretty soon. Okay. Anna's working on her vocals. Um, so <laughs> oh, it's, it's a musical. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a you know, it's one of those uh, musical uh, gangster comedies slash <laughs> gangster squad um, the musical slash, slash um, <laughs> hip trendy uh, new wave uh, uh, dramatic um, action flicks for sure. Got well, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I can, pick, I can see it. everybody. No. It's also it's yeah. also secretly a western, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> okay. okay. It writes itself. No. Pretty much, yeah. It was, you know, pen to, once pen got to paper, it was like I had to go. I had like I was like Evil Dead Two possessed hand, just putting all the <laughs> yeah. that's what happened there. Right. Um, but guys, I, I think we did it. I think Woo! We talked about Marathon session Yay. films of 2021 oh, yeah. and plenty of things to go with that. Uh, along with hearing plenty of other top tens as well throughout this episode. So again, thanks for all the guests uh, for uh, chiming in with Indeed, their yeah. Thank you to all well. like the 13, 14, 15 guests well, that chimed Aaron, in. Aaron, in an mm-hmm. homage to Dune, you might have to do a uh, part one and a part two. <laughs> Remember when we Especially did do that? The... We did do that you one did, year. You did that a few times. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this is verging on three hours and you haven't even added the top ten. So just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's all going to come out smoothly. I guarantee this. Indeed. But, that is going to do it for this week's episode. And um, yeah, so you can, you can find all my work 
uh, at the CodeZeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing for League of Entertainment for movie reviews, Wise of Blue for Blu-ray reviews, and Variety occasionally for some interview stuff. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff for my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose. Hashtag onto the Oscars. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work online? You can read all my reviews at fastfilmreviews.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of you online? Um, moviesmarcus.com, at moviesmarcus on Twitter, and at moviesmarcus1 on Instagram. And yeah, I'm pretty friendly. Plug you your merch. I always, uh, oh yeah, Doodles Marcus, if you want to get mad. If you want to fight, I'm on Doodles Marcus. If you want to argue with me, I'm pretty left-leaning. So, um, uh, But I'm always down, you know, I'm always down. But for movie stuff, movies Marcus one. You can find all the other episodes about Now There and Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us your picks for the top movies of the year and whatever else at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to read it, or you can post it on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet it us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram. We update every week with links to the episodes and pictures and more at instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Uh, next week, um, well, there's no new movies coming out, but the Sundance Film Festival is in full effect, Ooh. so we'll probably have a Sundance-related episode along with some catch-up stuff, so stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you once again, Mark and Marcus, for joining us for this Top 10 episode. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. having me. Thank you for having me. For yeah. sure. I look Great. forward to this new year full of films, and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. We don't talk about Bruno says it looks like rain. Where's the hitello? In doing so, he floods my brain. Abuela gets the umbrella. Pouring in a hurricane. What a joy you stay, but anyway.